Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Hotline League live from London without an audience. We're in Mark's hotel room. This is his bed in the foreground, and uh, boy, does it look messy. Yep. <laughs> it's just a joke. Okay. Anyway, so we are in uh, a hotel room, undisclosed location. We won't say where. This is the last live episode that we'll be doing before Mark leaves is that public or is that private uh it's not, not said that it's not public but i don't care i'm i'm on the desk for tomorrow and that's my last day of msi oh and then you can do the tweet where you're like and with that i don't i don't usually do those i, I started doing them a little bit more because they're free free engagement but honestly the whole like man i had the time of my life in london i fucking didn't and i'm not going to tell you i did well anyway this is my constant co-host mark zimmerman and joining us is none other Take the mic. I'm not the Don I'm not Don Jake. Yeah, we're gonna trade the stuff back and forth. Don Jake, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. I okay. appreciate it. So I met you officially several days ago, and since then you've become an internet sensation, already getting yourself removed from the subreddit. Uh, yeah. But do you want to explain to everybody at home who you are? So uh, I used to have a full time job at the Ideas Factory, but I've recently resigned from that, and now I interview pro players and sort of in a Nardwar-esque kind of way combined with a few other influences uh, just freak them out and make them very confused how I know so many things about them. But yeah, this is my first event that I'm working internationally and uh, we made a video on Yike that was really good and uh, got taken down by uh, the Reddit submods who I'm sure everyone is intimately aware that are not are very nice people. And you are, I don't know what the Idea Factory is. Do you want to let us know what the Idea Factory is? So the idea factory is just a sort of a factory where we come up with ideas, really. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you also do other stuff besides interviewing people, which is relevant to your presence on the show. Do you want to explain what that is? Oh, 100%. Yes. It seems like a bit of a leading question, but I'm willing to I'm willing to answer. Oh, thank um, you. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it answer the question correctly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but in any case, so I run Ruddy, which is what I do the interviews with. We're an org in the NLC, which is an ERL. It's the UK Nordics League. And then I also did a little bit of casting way back when. You might have seen me do LFL English broadcast with Gulborg, who is a uh, prolific and delusional person from Denmark, who's also on the uh, on the MSI. And yeah, that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much it. So you've done casting, you run an org, and now you're doing interviews. It feels like you just do a little bit of everything. Yeah, jack of all trades, sort of not really good at anything, really. Yes. Well, fantastic. Glad to have you on the show because that's what the show's all about. Yeah. It's just a bunch of people who aren't really good at anything taking calls from a bunch of people who don't know what they're talking about. Uh, but anyway, this is Hotline League. We are sponsored, of course, during our MSI coverage by OnePlus. And then we also have Alienware uh, always joining us. Yes, thank you, uh, to sponsor the show. Uh, OnePlus phone is in my pocket. Uh, I was going to pull it out for the ad moment, but this is the OnePlus 11, which people can go check out. Uh, and we'll talk both about Alienware and OnePlus as the show progresses. But let's get into some stuff. So what has happened since in the five days that we have done the show? Because we did one a little later last week. We did it on Thursday, I think, right? Was it Thursday or Wednesday? I think it was Thursday. Whatever. It all bleeds together here. So we've had a bunch of different stuff happen. So we're now done with plans. Talk about that. Yep. Golden Guardians made it out despite everyone's disbelief. I'm glad my pop-off did not age poorly. Yes. And then we also have... Some conversation happening again in the LCS around uh, owners voting against Academy, which is very confusing to me because we talked all about that like two or three weeks ago when I did the interview with Needham. And now everybody's acting like it's brand new news. 
I'm confused what happened. People still think that there's somehow any chance that it moves to three imports per region, per team, yeah. and that's never not happening. Definitely fake news. Yes. And uh, and then what else can what else has happened in the past week? I don't know. Anything? Chat, you can help us. You, you got anything for us, Don, Jake? No, I think it's just been... I think the most interesting thing for me was obviously to see Bong leave the event. It was not so great because I think he really brought a lot of... Uh, substance and strong su structure to the event to be honest gotcha okay yeah so that's what you're mourning uh over the course of this yeah. uh interview or over the course of this week okay oh yeah we i keep saying academy but it's challengers i try to say it but they, listen it doesn't matter they changed the name and now it's gonna be dead so who who does it really even matter what we call it um yeah licorice has been popping off uh 100t news with tenacity i guess was also the thing where that's it's been reported that Tenacity is out. I don't think that was on the last episode that we talked about it here. Um, There's a lot of uh, LEC roster moves. L LEC roster moves, yeah, which you can talk about. Mark and I are ignorant on all things LEC. We'll so. probably just not do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, copy retiring. Um, but I think what's fun, we were talking about this over dinner, is when we do get into the Challenger stuff, you can talk a little bit about the ERL stuff, mm -hmm. which is great, and sort of the the differences between the two regions but then we also have of course the next stage of msi which we are going to be talking about uh we drew amazing things Odo omni did an, an incredible job seeding the bracket for us with just hype uh international play at so many different levels i mean even the takes in discord right now are making my brain hurt i'm sorry guys but i'm gonna pop off at y'all just a heads up if i pulled you for your format take you're in trouble uh <laughs> Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna speed run the show a little bit. Um, we already say that, and then it ends up going long. But uh, we are already starting to pull takes. But those are some of the things that we think would be great to talk about with some of you if you want to make it onto the show. Um, and uh, you all know how to do that already, so we're not gonna do the spiel. We we did that recently, but it's a bit of a different time for when we do the show. So hopefully, if if you don't know how to get on, just type exclamation mark instructions in the chat, and that'll be good. But before we start taking calls, how you mm -hmm. been, Mark? Been pretty good. Uh, I've been working a lot. People started getting sick on the broadcast, so did a little bit extra duty than I normally would have. But I was going to be on all six days of play-ins anyways, apparently. Uh, so it didn't change too much. Had a pretty good time casting those. They were a lot of fun. Overall, pretty happy with how play-ins went. I think it was a, a good bit of tournament play. And I'm excited for bracket. What do we call it now? Main, yeah, main stage elimination yeah, well main because stage. everything's everything's Elim elimination and yeah, everything's a bracket now yeah. all right well whatever how about you don jake you can take the mic well so you guys I'm, are going to be passing back I, and forth i, I do keep doing that i quite like yeah, i don't yeah. know what it is about i like i like you holding it for <laughs> me. i'm gonna start dro i'm gonna start dropping it on the ground if you don't take it in the yeah. first second no it's fair enough honestly um i i live in london this is where i'm from grew up here hackney e5 represent you know that's my that's my hood that's my area e E5, yeah, for sure. Don't do that. I could get, you can get in a lot of trouble for that, man. <laughs> anyway, so I live in I live in London, and I'm not a fan of all these uh, sort of indolent, work-shy Americans coming to this country and uh, disrespecting our food. I think our food is great. Did you say work-shy? Work-shy, indolent. What is, what is work-shy? Like shy of work. Lazy. Not like the shy from okay. the LPL. Okay. Like work-shy. And you're, so you're calling us lazy? Yeah, okay. basically. I think you're too lazy to go out there and find the real good food that's here. Yes. Yeah. Well, we, we ranted a ton about the food stuff on the last episode and people got angry, so I don't know. what What's going Oh, Mark's uh, running a second project right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we won't get into what he's up to on his computer. All right. Uh, so, 
Yeah, but no, what's it been like having the event in your backyard? It's been really good. I mean, I think the last time we had any sort of international capacity for League of Legends was 2014 Worlds, and even that was only really a quarterfinal. So to have a whole event here has been pretty good. I will say that, like, uh, I think League of Legends in the UK is kind of a difficult ecosystem because I think traditionally we're a console country first, a lot of FIFA and stuff like that, and then a lot more like Xbox, PlayStation. So it's difficult to... I think it's been difficult so far to kind of get a real element of excitement for it but at least for me it's nice that i mean i literally live 20 minutes away from the stadium yeah the stadium has been a little empty um yeah. and i get that it's plans and so like maybe everybody should calm down a little bit but that was definitely w the weekdays too because as soon as saturday and sunday rolled around it was a lot more full so i think it's just you know maybe there's something about esports and weekends that just seems to go together i couldn't I don't know. Maybe there needs to be some more data. Yeah, I mean that's why they were so smart pitting Valorant there. You know what I mean? That was a good heads up play by <laughs> that. North, North I wonder. America. I wonder how they figured it out. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your interviews because you've been doing some. We don't need to shit on the Reddit mods a ton. Everybody already knows about that. But yeah, um, you've been you you don't normally do interviews. What led you to try to do coverage of the event? Um. So I kind of got recommended by shout out to Dom Sacco, who's from Esports News UK. He kind of led me into just like because uh, I originally was like, wow, that seems like a really cool thing to do, and I was like kind of trying to tack onto what he was doing. I was like, I'll just do everything, just like let me like do an interview or two. But he was like, oh, just apply for it yourself, and I was like, there's no way I'm gonna get it because we're just like a we're an ERL. Oh, they they do not they they do not. Uh anybody that could get a media this is this is a psa for anyone who wants to talk to pro players like just Don't say that. if you're if if, if your laptop has like a web actually i don't even know if the webcam is needed you can just if you have internet you can probably get in there you're endorsing an unhealthy level of parasocialness there. No, 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 that's <laughs> not true don't don't do it just to try to but i think i think the joke has just been this that historically there's not <laughs> What constitutes media is not the strictest. Um, people will call it gatekeeping, but I will just say like they, there's no gate. They just keep that shit wide open. For uh, sure, as evidenced by your arrival at as in the media room. 100. I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah. um, I haven't worked for this, you know. Yes, it's all these things. But yeah, I so I, I got encouraged to apply for it. I did it, and sort of uh, I've never really interviewed before. I did a brief interview of Kasing, if you remember him from back in the day. He was in yes. TSM, so yes. he plays in the URL structure now. I did a little interview with I him. I will always remember Peter going Kasing, Kasing. I taught on a stream and leaking that Kasing was joining TSM yeah. many years ago. But yeah, I interviewed him when I worked on the NLC, and then so I hadn't really done this before, but I'd always had the perspective. And we were talking about this over dinner. Of I think that. A lot of pro players must absolutely dread media at a certain capacity because a lot of the time it's not that they've got a formal relationship. It's just they're talking to a random outlet. Random outlet has obviously certain parameters they need to meet and certain criteria. Like we, the, the, the person that's paying them to be there needs to be like asking them like, oh, we want to talk about this. We want to talk about X, Y, Z. I was just like, I'm already going to be facing that as a barrier. Let me try and break down that sort of uh, rough exterior. So I guess my process comes from sort of uh, just trying to freak them out a little bit you know to ask them some things that they weren't expecting i have been very envious of the way that you've been able to approach it because i think for so many of us in the space we've been kind of there's an inherent pressure to make sure that you're talking about the games that just happened mm. uh, because if you don't i find that oftentimes people get kind of frustrated and then have the same experience you had which is like the content doesn't end up on on the subreddit and nowadays like subreddit traffic actually is not very significant for mm. me um but the thing is i love the conversation you laugh but 
People are talking about the LCS dying. Let's talk about Reddit's influence dying. That, that, that I mean, you used to get like no joke when I did blame games back in the day in like 2016. I get like, you know, 50 to 100k views somewhere between there, and like 60% of my traffic came from Reddit. These days, if I post something and it's like top five on the subreddit, it'll be like mm, uh, 10%. Yeah, and it's nothing. I mean, I yeah, I'll end up with 10% off YouTube traffic, and then I'll look and like 50% of that is from the subreddit so it's not um 50 of that 10 percent mm. um so it's not a significant driver for me but i still love that community even as much as they are shitty to me sometimes and i love reading the comments and discussion and it's just a better forum for like looking at feedback on your stuff and like seeing people get excited about YouTube it then comments are fucking worthless like yeah. reddit still has value yes and so like for me i want always want it to end up there not because of any traffic or revenue but just because like I don't know. And and so it I also often end up delaying content because if you post the content within 24 hours of the game happening, they will slap like a, a spoiler warning on there which kills the thumbnail which also makes it like basically dead in the water. It never nobody notices it cuz the yeah. thumbnail is what drives. So um anyway, all this to say that like I I have appreciated the way that you've approached this where you've just gone off the wall a little bit on certain things. And and I often feel such intense pressure to make sure that I'm like, okay, so where are we at on the tournament? How are you doing? Are anything going on with the team that we should be aware of or whatever? Um, and so that's why I've always enjoyed getting pro players on the show, on this show, or doing like long form content with them because you get so much of an opportunity to like have fun with them in, in a way that I think you're doing. And that Mark has done with things like catching up a double lift and other stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. I guess from my perspective and kind of to respond to what you're saying is uh, I feel like there's a weird move and not to like comment on any sort of like zeitgeist that exists in like a lot of what the media is for like League of Legends. But like, I feel like when I first got into, so I'm 23. So when I was watching LEC and LCS way back, way back in the day when it was NALCS, EULCS, a lot of the content I really enjoyed was like they would make all these little like the video commercial kind of things. It would be like Valentine's Day, his diamond props with his wife or whatever, and yeah. like X Y Z. And it was like a really quick way. It was like a it's a very traditional media way of like introducing and like debuting your players. You just don't massively like have that anymore. And I wanted to make something that's like I feel like a lot of content is very centered around what they play, who they play, and them in the game. Yeah. Well, I think Mark, there's been a lot of discussion. We don't have to go down this too much because we talked about it before, but I mean, I think a lot of what you've been pushing at the LCS content-wise and you've been working with some other folks too has been somewhat a response to that, right? To try to get more personalities out of the players. More personalities out of the players, kind of accepting the platforms that we're on and utilizing best practices for those environments, I think is something that some people uh, have the way that they want it to be done or that like they're used to doing or whatever reason, you know, talking about the traditional angle of this yeah. stuff. And it's like, that's not really the ballpark that we're playing in. So I think there's just some stuff that needs to get updated. I actually did an interview with um, Blix. Right? Yeah. Yeah. About the content and stuff and kind of like catching up with double lift, but it's about just like in general content and NA and stuff. So it's a, should be on the front page of Reddit right now if anyone wants to go look at it after this episode or wherever, hunt it down. It's, it's a good interview. It was, it was really fun to like talk in depth about content because a lot of the times when I, like I, a lot of the times like we'll talk quickly, be like, hey, I put a good episode. It was fun, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not like, oh, yeah, I had to relearn the skill set of editing from like a new framework because it's a different show and like talking about the specific things that go into one style of editing versus another and like things like that. Yeah, I mean, I we, we you, Mark, you and I were even talking a little bit about how international events are very hard to create good content around 
because there's such short time. So one of the things that Riot did this this year that uh, myself and some of the other media folks had pushed them to do was create a media day or an asset day, essentially. They, they previously did these things called media days, and they were what you've seen in the past where it's like a press conference with Riot executives, et cetera, et cetera, and maybe like the two teams that are in finals. They usually do this around Worlds or MSI right before the finals day. Um, but for us, I think there was a big desire to try to get a bunch of time with the different pro players. So Riot already uh, or only did Riot only did um, a media day this time for plans, but you'll see uh, a, a surprise test that I did that that we did some stuff with um, from there. That'll come out probably in the next forty eight hours or so. And I know Jake, that was where you and I met, and you were yeah. also doing some content with them there. And it's just like really nice to actually be at time with the pro players, not immediately after a game, because I don't know how much you felt this, but like. It is, one, you have very limited time after a game is done to talk to the pro player. Two, if they just lost, it's going to be rough. If they just won, they're in a different place. It's just hard to like yeah. do personality content with them in those, those spaces. Well, I think it's just like what I was saying before as well. I think initially it's just like they don't massively want to be there, right? Like it's like a lot of the time. I think if it's like interview, I think like broadcast stuff is like a bit more, they're a bit more used to that. But like, well, yeah, I'm sure that you've got more <laughs> of a comment on that than me. But um. I feel, I feel like you want a series. You want to be going out, right? You want to go and celebrate with your team, your loved ones, all of those ways. You don't want to go and talk to some weird guy in a hat in a room. But that's the first barrier of entry. And then sure, like even beyond like losing, like that's been, for some reason, I've been like uber lucky that I've only done one interview where the team has lost. And it was actually when GG lost 2-1 to BLG. And even then it was like, you could scrape something positive out of it. Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to do. A, I'm, I'm going to have to imagine at some point. It's not fun. Yeah, uh, you'll see as Western teams start losing. Uh, all right. Anyway, happy to chat with you about the stuff. I think it's pretty cool, but also maybe it's time for us to grab some callers. Mark, do we have people ready to go? Yeah. Um, <laughs> your di Mark's Discord has uh, gotten corrupted. We can pull what some folks over here. Oh shit! I've had this happen. To yeah, just the elect when it, um electron apps. It's okay. We can pull over here. Uh, so. We normally have a chance, uh, if you are in the waiting room especially, or if you're trying to get on the show, please hear me say this. Normally, we had we had to do the same thing on the last episode. Normally, Mark is in a different setup. He can go into the waiting room, do an audio check with you, make sure that you are good, and then pull you onto the show. We can't do that here because of our setup. So we're just going to YOLO you into the on-air channel and... Hopefully you can make sure that your um, your microphone is working okay. You can actually go into the Discord settings and like do the audio check in there to make sure that your mic is working. Because if we can't get you on, we're just gonna probably like boot you if your stuff is not set up. And that's not because we're trying to be jerks. It's just unfortunately a limitation of the setup. So uh, without for oh you want to say something? No, I was gonna say you have to pull people. Yes. Who who do you want me to pull first? Uh, laser fruit. Sure. Okay, here we go. Hello, Laser Fruit. Welcome to the show. Uh, where are you calling from? Uh, Southern Ontario, Canada. Southern Ontario, Canada. Well, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so this is a bit of a rant uh, on some comments Yamato made on stream and also the Die For You episode. Okay. But uh, if EU analysts and fans are going to constantly talk down on NA fans for being excited and like happy about our teams at international events and like, tell us to temper our expectations, they need to start doing the same about their teams. And I think G2 is going to get absolutely dog-walked by Gen G 
Okay. Okay. So, sorry, you're saying right now, like if if EU is going to shit on NA so much, they need to also start shitting on EU ahead of their matches, and that, and based off of that, you believe everyone should be dogging on G two ahead of this coming up match. I mean, realistically, I think they should just stop talking down on NA people. Um, like almost every year, there's analysts that say NA is going to struggle in plans or lose in plans. And that never happens. Uh, so I don't. Then, I don't have time to watch the co-streams usually during the show. So was there was there some comment in particular that triggered you? Because you seem seem a little pressed about something Yamato said. I, I don't know what he was saying. Uh, it, it wasn't on a co-stream. He was just watching uh, Champions Q the other night. But uh, I just hopped in the chat and he said uh, that GG is mm, G two is much better than GG, and like any fans need to temper expectations about their team. And then I got harassed for ten minutes in chat about being from NA. The cla- the classic. Sounds like you walked into the lion's den and yeah. poked the lion. I mean, you went to an EU casters <laughs> chat during probably EU hours and were like, "G two sucks," which is which is not to say. No, actually, I because um, he made the comment and I just asked him like why he thinks GG is, or G two is so much better, and I said like I didn't even disagree with him. You know what would be the best thing though is like if you had a tournament where like those teams had a chance of bumping into each other and then you could just like resolve it in with like on the rift. That would be so cool. I wonder if anyone chance, isn't it called Rift Rivals? <laughs> oh shit, that's that's where yeah, I, I would think that you would just do it at the international tournament. Yeah. But that was that's they amazing. had a chance of bumping into each other at play-ins, technically speaking. Yeah, if they both lost, but yes. yeah, anyways. Yeah. Point is Okay, so uh, let's break this down into two different things. So, Mark, I think you already kind of did the rant on the last episode. I don't know how much you want to do that or if we should just throw it at Jake right now. No, I think uh, it was we walked the walk that I was talking beforehand. So don't need to say much there. Do, are you, you, you don't f- follow NA super closely, right? So I watch like a decent amount of NA. Like I would say I probably watch more EU than I watch take, NA. Take the mic. Yeah, <laughs> Before okay. Mark drops we'll learn it. at some point. Um, I feel like with I don't necessarily have a comment on this. I think the nuance that's interesting here is less that uh, there's a disparity between G2 and GG because I think that G2 is uh, quite a bit better if we're being fair. I think we should still remain in the realms of reality. But I think the nuance here that's interesting is for sure that I think that we attach like a different level of like dogging on NA than we do EU. Like I think people want to hate NA and want them to do badly. And I'm interested in where that comes from. I can, I can tell you where it comes from. It comes from uh, the EU LCS being kind of like the redheaded stepchild of uh, the lowly sports scene for a little while and like getting worse time slots and things like that yeah. and less resources and having a third party studio and all these things. Um, but that was like seven years ago at this point, guys. Six, five, four, 2017. I just think it comes from an inferiority complex. America, baby. Okay, everybody <laughs> wants to be us. Uh, uh, I mean, so to be fair, Travis, you know what we should own. We, I don't know if we've talked about it on this show, but on this show back in 2017, we used to shit all over oh, EU. Oh, 100%. Especially Kelby. When we had Kelby on, Kelby would make fun of you as much as he possibly could. Their, we, their viewership was roughly what ours is at now. Yes. And he would dance on their grave. And, yes. like, you know, sometimes you and I would join in a little bit. Yes. I, de- I mean, I not just join in. I think I was not nearly as bad as Kelby, but I definitely love to poke. And to be fair, at the time... EU still was outperforming us competitively, so that felt like our kind of poke back that we could make, right? Which is yeah. like, oh, yeah, you guys are so good, but also nobody watches your league. Ah, ha, ha. We're going to steal all your players. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so it felt like that was our sort of thing that we could push back. But now 
Like they're ahead of us. Now it just feels like it's punching down. And I do feel like every international event we end up having, NA does some sort of sob fest thing, I will admit, where like, hey guys, be nicer to us because uh, what do you, of course that we don't we're not as we're good. not we particularly likable, I guess is what we're getting. At. Yeah. We're not we're not particularly likable. Yeah. Um so I I, I somewhat get it, but I think I think here here is my I have noticed a trend where people like to misconstrue things to make fun of folks. And and I think that with the LCS, people do this by being like, well, you guys are worse than wildcard teams. And for me, I'm like, no, we're not, clearly. Make fun of us on the things that you can make fun of us on, like how much money we've spent or our viewership being down. Our like, owners wanting to kill our own region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like there are I, – I am – not happy when people make fun of us for those things but it doesn't it's not as annoying because at least then it's like coming from a place of these are actual reasons to be whatever you're not just like telling falsehoods um and and so i think that's what i i would rather see is like people at least making fun of us for the right reasons rather than like and and i think you know for some people it's like yeah you can make fun of us and call us worse than wildcard regions but it's different when like you go out there and put your actual belief behind that yeah i will also say for for eu they historically have been much better than us so i understand why yamato and like i don't know if you you were i think clumping in some of the dive and your your take um caller about like oh the vettius was very copium angle i saw people on reddit like <laughs> going after vettius for for believing in g2 like i have no problem uh being optimistic and having belief uh so like i don't think just because like I'm a pessimistic person. I don't think that like you have to tell Vettius to be pessimistic too, or like realistic as pessimists like to pretend that they are. Yes. <laughs> Optimists are unrealistic. I'm realistic. Yeah. I think the world's going to burn down every single second of the day. I think where an element of it comes from a fan perspective, like being someone that grew up watching EU versus NA and being like very hardline drawn into that kind of like, let's be NA. It was like, I feel like there's been gaps at times and it's gone one way or the other but i feel like one of the times where it started to get a bit more scary like we talk about like the tsm period when you guys got bjergsen and like all these players we were just like hey these guys are cheating they just have way more money and they're just like getting our players that are like really good and we're just like give us back our players man like and i feel like that's where some of it comes from it well, comes we have been giving you them back yeah very rapidly these days <laughs> of course if i can now. just butt in for a sec too yeah go for i it. just want to say like i don't think eu analysts should stop being positive about their own teams I just think they should stop at the double standard of like completely shitting on NA anytime we talk about NA and then go and talk super positively about their teams. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think we also went, uh, what was it, 0-8 versus G2 for a period of time? Yeah, the EG, uh, MSI. 0-6 yeah. at MSI and then 1-1 right, one 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 They went 0-2 in groups too, no? Or was it 1-7? One in, one they in they seven? went 1-1. One yeah, okay, so it was 1-7 yeah, on so the so it was 1-7. No one beats G EG eight times in a row. Right. Um, so I think like that kind like, of and stuff. That, that's fair to like trash talk EG for. But they like got obliterated. And I know the EU fans hate Mad Lions for playing poorly and like play-ins and stuff like that before. So it feels like those guys get their due in that sense of like getting uh <laughs> I shouldn't say get their due for to get attacked, but you know what I mean? Like people don't let that go easily. So I, I feel like it's it's somewhat balanced um in that sense. Where it's like NA still hasn't actually outperformed Europe. We we've been a lot closer since like the G two glory years, where they were clearly like one of the best teams in the world, and we were just salty fucks that we didn't have anything close to that ever. But outside that time, it's kind of come back down to like we're pretty close no, together. We but had we had a better, we had a positive win record against them at Worlds last year. 
we also uh, had an, a better overall win rate, I think, but that's including like planes and stuff. Anyways, point is, uh, it's been close, but then Rogue got out of groups and we didn't. So like, I, we haven't actually outperformed EU. So like, they they still have the ability to hit back harder, you know. I think there's an element that doesn't help as well. If I, what would you say is the peak international performance that NA has ever showed? Finals at both 20, MSIs. 2016 though, because that was like legitimate. No offense to Team Liquid. I don't know what happened to IG that day, but... Yeah, yeah, um, I mean, uh, but regardless, you could say it's either of those... Yeah, one of those two. The TL MSI series is the one where they got 3-0'd by G2, yeah, right? Yeah, they set a so, speed record. So put this into context, and I'm not trying to bash on NA fans here. Your peak international performance ended with a complete gangbang at the hands of, of Europe. That is sort of the best moment for you guys. So it doesn't help. Like, if we're going to talk about disparity between the two regions, that is your shining moment. I, I think that I now I'm going to go back to the CLG one then. Our peak moment was CLG versus T1 at uh, MSI 2016, I think it was. 2015. No, see, if you see C9 2016. Worlds 2018, as it still ends with us getting gangbanged by Europe. Yeah, so, so exactly. That's what I mean. Like, your best moments, and I think there's a lot to be said about I do think people, like, my main thing would be why do people want them to do so badly? I think there should be a bit more positivity, and I think a lot of that has to come from I'd like to see you guys do more to promote like some of your younger talent in your academy structure, which we'll obviously get onto as another topic. But I think what academy structure? Yeah, exactly. But like, I think that when we talk about the differences, you guys have played catch up for a few years. I just don't think there's really. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the, you guys shouldn't get dogged on as much. But my, my point still stands. Well, and listening to what you know the caller said about Yamato, it didn't sound like it was like that egregious of a take. Yeah, it's like. Well, I think more so what he's upset about is that he apparently said that and then was harassed for being from America. Call, yeah, Collier, what are you... <laughs> is it, <laughs> is it the harassment? How much was the chat? <laughs> I mean, the harassment thing is annoying, but like it happens everywhere. It was uh, more so the double standard of him than going on to say G2 has a chance against GG. Like, I don't think G2 played that much better than GG in plans. And I think it, their series against GG, um, Gen G is going to go the same way GG did against BLG. Uh, I mean, I think JDG is <laughs> the tournament favorite for a lot of people. So like in that sense too, it's also like a harder opponent, even if G2 and GG were equal, which I'm not saying they are, but even if they were, they still have a harder matchup. than I think most people's eyes currently, uh, oh, no, I think GG is going to get absolutely crushed by JDG. No, I, I know, saying, I know like... but I'm just saying like, why would someone, why would an EU fan have more faith? You know, it's like, well, they have a good reason to, I think. They're like BLG C9 is maybe the closest, depending on what your opinion of C9 is. Like, but you know, GG has easily the hardest matchup by a lot, and they are arguably the worst team. So, like, yeah, I get why you know Yamato had that. I opinion. think like the thing that annoyed me most was that he was telling NA fans to temper their expectations about their teams, which is fair, and then he didn't do that with his own team. Well, but you also don't know what he's, what prompted that. Like, maybe someone came into his chat and was like. Yo, man, Golden Guardian's about to 3-0 JDG, motherfuckers. And you're like, he's like, uh, maybe you should temper your expectation. Like, I, I don't know the context of what prompted him to say that, but like. I honestly don't either because that, like, he made that comment almost immediately after I went in the stream. And like, I was just wanted to pick his brain about why he thinks G2 is so much better than Gen G. I can kind of appreciate where you're coming from, from the sense of like, it almost feels like that. I mean, so I haven't heard what he said directly, but if based on what you're saying of what he's saying. I can understand, it's kind of like comes to me, across to me as like a, like don't get too excited guys, but I think there was like, there's a lot to be excited of what we've seen from Golden Guardians so far. Like I don't think they're gonna be like 
I think that their tournament is going to unfortunately end against JDG, but they took a game off BLG. I think they looked like pretty decent. Hey, it can't them. end. There's a double limb. There's a double limb. I yes. mean, I will say like if I just you're, don't know if, how the tournament works. I guess if, <laughs> if you're on Reddit too, like I've seen plenty of like I'm I'm positive they are tongue in cheek, but you know like people on Reddit are being like. Oh man, can't wait for him to gap three six nine so hard he fucking goes like get ready to learn American, you know? <laughs> like yeah, there's like, there's like a lot of memes going around that like Licorice and the rest of Golden Guardians about to like destroy this entire tournament. You know, they're about to mm. go to find like even in my Discord or our Discord where we pull these takes from. Like people are talking like this, so like yeah, you don't know what prompted them. And like as for having more faith in G two, like yeah, maybe he's partly a homer. I don't know. People right. people are biased. Who cares? All right. Thanks so much, caller, for the conversation. Anything you want to shout out before we go on to the next caller? Uh, I'll shout out you guys and Alienware. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Thanks so much for uh, the call. We'll catch you next time. All right. Who is next? Does anyone know how to fucking pop out all the voice channels again? Somehow I shrunk them in Discord using a touchpad, so I don't know how to get those back. Yeah, he's got it where all the icons are right next to each other. Anyways. Who do you who do you want? Twitch chat. Twitch chat will tell me. No, no, but if the of the waiting room, who do you want? You can't see. You can only see icons. Uh, you can see it on people, my screen. People left. I don't know where they went. Yeah, so people left the waiting room. I don't know. Just fucking grab anyone. Okay, okay. Uh, here we go. Hello, Kimmer. Kimmer, where are you calling from? If you're here, you'll have to unmute, uh, Kimmer. There we go. I'm here. Sorry, I'm here. My thing will glitch a little. No, you're good. Uh, I'm calling from the Pacific Northwest. From where? Uh, Washington in the Pacific Northwest. Washington in the Pacific Northwest. Nice. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I was just going to say that I think GG is going to have a run back to the LCS finals because of the experience from MSI they will get. So, sorry, is this this is related to a a a, a proposed C9 Golden Guardians match in the lower bracket? Yes. Okay. And so your suggestion is MSI will have powered them up going through plans and they will beat C9. Correct. I think they're going to beat C9 uh, on top of that. I think a lot of people are going to expect them to beat 3-0 from JDG, but uh, I think it's going to be a lot more competitive a series. Uh, I think it'll still be a 3-0, but I don't think it's going to be a clean sweep. But I think that Golden Guardians have looked a lot better from the LCS finals. Well, a 3-0 uh, is a clean sweep. You just mean it won't be a stomp. It won't be a stompy yes, 3 Okay. No, GDG is going to have to work for it, is what I'm saying. It's not going to be like, oh, LPL way better than NA. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, it is so crazy to me. If you had told me in January of this year, just four months ago, that we'd be sitting here in London and there'd be a take of like, okay, I think Golden Guardians is going to hold up well against JDG and then beat C and then knock C9 out of the MSI tournament, I'd probably be like, I mean, it sounds like a hotline league take, but what is Golden Guardians doing at MSI? I actually missed what what the take oh. was. What was it again? The t <laughs> you pulled it. Uh, the take was that uh, we're going to have Golden Guardians eliminate C9 from the tournament because they will have powered up from MSI. Uh, probably not. <laughs> you don't think so? Well, this, can you, uh, this can is you give your reasoning other than world's, they world's uh, <laughs> we're International Tournament Analyst Mark Zimmerman right here. I wish, uh, I, could why, do, I, wish I could do that on the desk. Why don't you... <laughs> You should. You should tomorrow. Uh, some, uh, whatever the casters will say or analysts will say something about how there's a chance that G2 will win. And you could just be like, oh, Trevor, Trevor tried not. to do that once where it, Golden Gardens were on the Baron. We were casting together. And he's like, I don't know if this is a good Baron or not. And I'm like, it's not. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fortunately, Golden Guardians bailed off the Baron because I was like, they're inting. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, can, can you, like, is there anything other than, like, ooh, they're going to scale up from the extra stage games beating yeah. the playing what, team? What, yeah, maybe go ahead and expand on your take a little bit, Kimmer. So uh, I was just, like, watching a lot of, like, highlights uh, in, like, some of the, like, calm videos that kind of get released from here and there. Uh, it sounds like the team is a lot more in unison. It looks like River is finding his spot in the team and kind of shot calling a lot better uh, from, you know, previous playoffs and stuff like that. I think Licorice is playing, like, phenomenal right now. He's on, like, a whole nother level. He was, like, at the beginning of the spring split, bottom tier player. Now he's, you know, he beat, in my opinion, beat Ben and Lane, you know. So it's like, I just think that with the veterans on the team, with River and Gory finally leveling up and this team being in sync that they can do a lot of damage internationally now and in uh, current LCS. I just think it's hard because I don't know how they're going to meet up. What they're going to meet in the losers bracket. Nope, C9's headed up. Okay. This is all based on a false premise. Okay. I got you. I got you. Oh, no. So what I meant is they're not going to meet in lower brackets. They're going to meet in the upper brackets. There we go. Uh, after after they both dumpster oh, the LPL. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be three O's on both sides. NA fans do not have unreasonable expectations, like we were saying, following up off the previous call. Um, I think the thing is like, uh, whatever advantages they might have gotten for like getting a little bit more comfortable on the stage, I'm not sure it's enough because at the same time, CNI's been boot camping here for like two weeks already, so like they're not jet lagged. They've been scrimming the same teams, you know. They've been getting a lot of experience, and so like. There's not this gap of boot camp or anything like that. Yeah, they're boot camping at the XL facility, which is actually where we boot camped for playoffs in the ERL. And I really hope that they fix their ventilation problem because it can get very cold in that room. And uh, yeah, we had to use hand warmers like, every day. So, Hy- hypothermia. Uh, hypothermia might have might stop C9 from winning uh, this. You heard it here first. That's a that's a breaking story from journalist Don Jake that there is a there's a cold air issue at the C9, yes. at the C9 facility boot camp. Gotcha. Yeah, and did Excel allow you guys to, to use their facility for free? And you no. So we so the current head coach for Excel is Hedon, and he was our coach, and then we transferred him to Excel mid split. Oh, okay. So this was their yeah. So well, it's like thank you. You can use our cold facility. No, it was like money plus boot camp. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, all right. So. What do you think of Golden Guardian's chances? I know you don't watch much LCS, uh, Don Jake, but mm. with them facing C9, I don't know. Do you what what have been your impressions of Golden Guardians? Um like having so I'll go purely off. I'm not a guy that like massively likes to conflate or pretend that I'm like super intelligent when it comes to the game, but having spoken to him if I was to bring anything from outside of the game like talking to Licorice in my interview that I think is dropping very soon. So check around for that. But he, one of the things he was talking about was uh, how, because one of the things I asked him is like, you've had a lot of variants in your career. Like you show up you show up internationally all the time and you kind of reach a new peak. And then domestically you struggle a lot. And one of the things he was talking about is how he was just very like weirdly honest about it. Like I feel like a lot of players aren't honest about that process. He was like, I just wasn't enjoying the game. Like when I was playing really badly, like I didn't enjoy playing it. And that was why the work ethic dropped. That's why the performance dropped. So I feel like for him, he's in a place where he's obviously feeling a lot better about it. So I'm excited for them. Like, I feel like he's in a good place. He's really showing up against some of these uh, international tops as well. I think they've got a chance, like, for sure. I think going into that G- into that uh, LPL series, it's, like, pretty low chance. But you never know. I think even if they take a game, it's got to be good, right? Like, yeah. For, no, I mean, that's the... 
that's the kind of the fun thing for as an NA fan in these situations is like is I mean they will probably embarrass themselves because that's what all North American teams tend to do in mm. these situations. But when they don't, it feels so fucking good. You know, like if they actually can take a game or if they you know, get some really great plays in or have some proactivity, I think it'll be super fun because I think LCS fans have always just been disappointed whenever you see that it feels like we just sort of flop. You know, do not yeah. think and then lose the game. Um, call your little breathy right now if you can mute um, or or or, <laughs> or do a little less breathing of the mic. Uh, so I don't know, uh, Mark. You don't seem to think Golden Guardians are going to do it. I will say, I am as disappointed as I think a lot of us are in what the predicted for results of this format are. I do think it is kind of fun to see what this golden guardians looks like after they've gone through the MSI hyperbolic time chamber, even if they lose to C9, I, I'm just interested to see what that matchup looks like. And this is an effect of the format. We don't normally get to see this in the West. It's very rare that you get region kills or team kills or whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to experience it because it doesn't really ever happen. So that's a positive take on it. We have a format question next. If you want to go there. Sure. Yeah. Kimmer, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we say goodbye? Yeah. I just want to shout out you guys. Thank you for having me. Shout out Alienware. And then I also want to shout out the all in podcast. It's my buddies. They actually just interviewed a Zale. Uh, so if you guys want to go check that out, that's on the all in podcast on their YouTube. Awesome. Thanks so much for the call. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Everybody uses this show as a method to promote everything out. No, I'm just kidding. Go check it out. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right now to talk about Alienware. Mark and I are both hanging out on Alienware notebooks right now, allowing us to do this show. We're doing a live show from a tiny little love seat, uh, Shay's Lounge, whatever you want to call this, in a hotel room in London. And all of that is because Alienware is able to give us the hardware and support that we need to be able to make events like this happen so that when we're on the road, we can still keep putting out cool coverage like this. So thank you so much to Alienware for checking or for supporting us that way. Go to Alienware.com slash Travis. There's a link that will be in the description. I see Numi putting it out there right now uh, in the chat as well for those that are live. Go check out the M18, which is an amazing notebook. I believe I'm getting one shortly after I get back. And I can't wait to check it out because it's reviewed incredibly well. It's an amazing system. And for you, you might enjoy it as well. Again, you can check that out over at Alienware.com slash Travis. If you're not in the market for a system, go take a look at their monitors because you can always use a better monitor. And uh, they have some really cool stuff going on there as well. So thank you so much to Alienware. Peripherals, peripherals. Yes, they sell many things. And you can go check them out at Alienware.com slash Travis. So thank you to Alienware for sponsoring the show. And we're going to get into our next caller. It's a Monchal. 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 Welcome to the show. Uh, where are you calling from? Hi, I'm calling from Waterbury, Connecticut. From Connecticut. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I wanted to address some of the concerns on Reddit about the bracket draw for MSI, people whining that there's going to be a big lack of EU, NA with uh, EU and Korea on one side of the bracket and NA and China on the other side. And my statement is mostly that 
Worlds is more for cross-region play now, with all the best of ones and the big groups, while MSI is more for competition, which this achieves. Shouldn't Worlds also be about competition? Can't you do it's both? It's World Championships. They don't seem mutually exclusive to me. So I would argue they aren't mutually exclusive, but lots of other games have less of this problem. Like CSGO is a great example in my mind where often for the major they'll do like better seeding going into it, and then by using the Swiss seed system, their bracket's good. But Riot likes to avoid that a lot of the times, trying to treat all the first seeds at a higher level, which even at this event is better because they treated the LCK and LPL as their own block and forced them to opposite sides of the bracket, and EU and NA were in that second pool instead. So, like, while I would say it's possible, it doesn't feel... I don't know. It just doesn't align with how League has been run internationally. I think that you potentially might be the least suspicious Oduwamune apologist. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, no one should be mad at Odo, all right? He did his job. He drew some envelopes now, I guess. Which, by the way... Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah. Okay, okay. What the fuck is this system? So I've heard that they did this twice. I, did they, they did it for the LEC draw show after, uh, after the finals okay, for the okay. draw show. And What is the system where we just stick envelopes in front of somebody and then they just like not miss not suspicious here not, guys yeah. like i am not okay i do not think there's any foul play and like the no, bracket no, no, is no. the best evidence of that but like you could like there it does not seem it what is very funny to me is that many many years ago there was a lot of criticism because riot would randomly draw these things behind the scenes and there is a video of Nick Allen that's like 30 minutes long that they posted to the Law Esports channel of him just in a room doing this because they were criticized for like not being transparent in the way that they randomly drew this stuff. So then they started doing the draw shows, which I thought was actually great content because then you have this reaction. And, and everyone, yeah, 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 yeah it's, it's awesome. People all watch it. They get their reaction stuff out there. And then they, like, I don't think that those shows have ever done been great either because you had them put four balls into... A, a, another bowl yeah. and then they would just sort of spin them around and not really randomize them so I, I and then pull them out and then they would put oftentimes unopen the bowl the bucket or the ball or whatever and not invisible things so it was always sus that way well I, this is new levels I feel like this is an attempt to clean up some of the like execution problems of like the spinning the balls around when there's only two in there and all yes. that stuff but I feel like the solution does not look any better like you're honestly I've been thinking about this time so like Ways they could do this better that are not as flashy and probably stupid, but also funny that you that would be better systems. Using random.org, like just loading up random.org. No, I, I forget. I think it was... Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Dude, I was talking to Frankie or maybe it was Yinsu. I can't remember who uh, suggested it, but someone was saying, or maybe it was even... I can't remember, but like... Just have like an LED wheel, yeah. <laughs> and as teams get eliminated, the pies, you the wedges, like, you could like tie the player who has to do it to yeah, it, and they like, spin like a circus. It, and then it's like no whammies, no out Korean teams, no <laughs> big money, big money. You could do that. No once going twice. You could also do. You could shuffle a deck like the pro player, whoever like shuffles a, a cards essentially that like starts pulling them up and revealing the order that they are in. That would be fun. They and then the last one I was thinking of is they could do something that's like. You know the marbles game that people play on stream or whatever? <laughs> you just put names on all the marble things and then send Well, them I was thinking in. like an actual like little gotcha lever which like drops yes. something out. So it's just fully random and you get your little ball and you pop it open and like I mean they could do a lot of things that are even League of Legends themed, right? Like you could create like the 
the lot what is it the lottery or whatever the balls are all flying around like you could create a device that's like that that's like got baron heads or something on it like you there's could a, do some really a bunch of teams stuff. that are floating around in the air thing <laughs> someone's in there blindfolded trying to grab a piece of paper oh, yeah okay maybe not that but it feels like it's gone very much from like being like with the ball system it felt like a game show it was yes. kind of fun. Like fun and now with an envelope it's like you know oscars kind but of it's not like even, even with the oscar like he's just they're just sticking in front of him out like it's so visually stupid and like <laughs> you could rig it so easily by just being like like look just pick that one then that one then that one like it's so goofy like i'm just like what are we doing like i no offense to the production team or the comp ops team or whoever mm -hmm. but like i don't understand how there was a meeting that was had and this was the solution because it's so well goofy. i think what makes it more confusing is it's rather antithetical antithetical to whatever they've because the, you look at the whole stage it's the i was speaking to someone from riot when they were showing me around initially when we got there on the first day and they were saying like this is the first time we've done like this direct concept for the stage we've like made it like the london underground we've made like the stairs we've built this whole thing and it's like why have you put so much effort into the proof of concept for that but then like you've not really gone with it for the actual Draw. Because Riot loves production more than they love executing the content well, itself. I mean, I will. It should be part of the production <laughs> as well, is my. I mean, so it can be different teams. You never know how yeah, things yeah, are broken yeah, up. Yeah. I will say that the stage is sick. There's a lot of great things. It just looks a little goofy. Mm. On the actual draw, that's something that I think should be more heavily criticized, yeah. more than Odo or like the envelopes. Um, Caller, um, envelopes is pretty fucking bad. <laughs> This is what Travis feels more most important. Fix, I mean, the, because, fix okay. the format for the next week, or the the the, 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 the ten because, minutes because of envelopes. One is, a, one is a competitive integrity issue. Literally, that like as goofy as the envelopes are, it is like a competitive integrity issue. This draw, as goofy as it is, like yeah, it shouldn't like. There's a better way to create an entertaining product, but I'm not worried about. All right, let's let's issue. just get back to the, the yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for, so fine, for the caller, fine. you're saying that MSI is about competition. Can you explain to me why if you swapped the Mad series with the uh, C9 series, that would somehow lead to less competition? Not in terms of the contestants, but just literally putting those two teams on, uh, flipping those matchups. So the argument is less that switching those matchups wouldn't be more interesting. Like, yeah, there are more interesting draws. It's just that... If you're trying to account for this process in, in such a way where it's like, all right, we're going beyond regions can't play each other in the first round. We're now going to regions can't play each other in the second round, right? You're creating such a weird like draw show with so many stipulations and you're reducing the number of potential draws where it's like it's getting significantly less random and there's no point in that. Like, yeah, so so why is so here's, here's a question that I would love for you to answer. Why is random good? Most tournaments around the world, including most sports, have zero elements of randomness in the creation of their brackets or playoff systems. They are either seed, they're all seed based. They're all based off some equation of, of things, whether it be regular season or if it's like a tournament series that plays at different points in time, like a fighting game thing. Like yeah. they, they seed them, you know, they, they don't rely on draws really. Like, so. Why do you think the randomness is like if, if you like you're saying this would shrink if you put it so that only um, one team can be or one region can be on one side of the bracket, it would reduce the number of potential outcomes. But then you would also arguably just getting rid of the bad ones. <laughs> so, so you just get better out like it's less outcomes true, but they're also just better ones in, in this situation. So why is randomness inherently considered a good thing to you? 
I don't consider randomness inherently good. My my take is more along the edges of people are complaining that we're not going to see like EU versus NA because we're going to see the replays of all the finals in each stage, assuming the uh, favored right. opponent wins. Mm-hmm. I favor seeding in things like, for instance, CSGO, where the teams would end up seeding themselves for the major and stuff like that. I think that's a better system. However, I think if you had the teams seed themselves, you're going to have more of a... a the same situation can still appear, right? Because, like, let's say China number one gets seeded one by the teams and LCAA one gets seeded one and then China two gets seeded three and China uh, Korea two gets seeded four and whatever, those NA and EU teams still are going to lose. And depending on which matchup they had, they're going to get thrown down to the lower bracket still yep. and have to face each yeah, other Yeah, I mean, Khan, Khan was at, uh, saying, like, if you seeded the tournament, wouldn't it basically look the same? And... I'm looking all, at all the these. Right all now. these first round matchups are fine, but if you put T1 where Gen G is, you know, or um, excuse me, T1 where Cloud9 is, like you could say, oh, that's the strong side of the bracket. But you're always going to have, uh, you know, like roughly a strong and weak side of the bracket. At least the Korean teams would be split up then with the LPL. Like it's roughly the same. Like if you just swap the Mad Lions and T1 series with the Cloud9 and BLG series, the overall tournament bracket like doesn't really change, and all you do is avoid all these potential. Like if if it goes to chalk and all the Western teams lose all the Eastern teams, you'll have LPL, LCK in the the winner side, and then you'll have EU versus NA in the loser side, which is inherently more interesting matchups than watching series that have all already taken place this year. Mm. Right? Like I would love for you to explain why that's more competitive because your point is, oh, well, cross region, I don't care about that. I care about competition. Why is that considered more competitive to watch series that have already happened? Okay, so in my opinion, it's more competitive because we have this double elimination bracket in addition to the draw, right? So we're no longer worried about these teams being eliminated right away and getting seeded down to the lower bracket, which is part of the problem, right? So part of the problem with the draw is that, like, let's say if this was Worlds, you'd have LCK, LCK, and LPL, LPL on one side, Right. And then you have that problem again. And then whoever goes to the finals, it's like cross region play again. But I feel like this problem is much more prominent in the community because we're seeing EU versus EU and NA versus NA in the lower bracket as well, which is not part of the problem. Like someone's going to win that match and we're going to see cross region play afterwards. And it's going to be more competitive because they can climb through the lower bracket potentially. (laughs) But again, I I don't think it's more focused on. The, the aspect that like trying to favor cross-region pr- play so strictly with the group draw and being so upset that it's like we're going to see the finals replayed again is in like it's more annoying to try to make a process to avoid that and it's going to make it less well obviously there's processes that are good for that but like Riot kind of ignores them well so I, I guess I don't understand what your point is because all the things you're saying can be true with just a better with with an extra rule thrown in one extra rule thrown in completely fixes this problem it it doesn't hurt the competition because you you haven't changed the format there's still that loser's bracket to your point if if instead c9 had to beat g2 to move on instead of beat golden guardians who they've already beaten by the way you know just a month ago it's i don't see how that's actually more competitive anything i'd argue that's less competitive that you are not taking on new competition like i don't see how mad versus gg is like less competitive or less interesting than GG versus C9. I don't think you've demonstrated like a clear reason you think that way. Uh, setting, setting this aside for a second, uh, I'm very curious. Has anyone done the math on like what the chances of this happening were statistically? That would be my thing because I think 
if it's the case that this is like the worst thing that could have happened, the one thing you didn't want to happen, then his original question doesn't really make much sense because then you're sort of, you're, what you're, your question is centered around there being intent in the bracket being like this, but then we're also acknowledging that this is perhaps a, a bad version of the bracket. There's kind of a, there's a jarring nature here between- It's like you're defending something that yeah. was unlikely to have happened anyways. So like what, if this is the unlikely scenario, why are you defending this scenario? Like just, you, why you, you just want the, yeah. you just want the potential of bad scenarios? Yeah. Why are you defending the intent and also defending the randomness of it? It doesn't really make much sense to me. You can't really have both of those. Regardless, I'd like to know because I think it'd be fucking hilarious if there was a two percent chance of this happening. And like on Riot's debut of their new format, like the one in fifty thing hit. Uh, so there's there's a couple of rules that came through. One, the tier one teams were always going to be on opposite sides of the bracket, and you couldn't have the regions drawing themselves. Mm. So already there was some things that were affecting just like pure randomness probabilities. The things that were cho chosen was, was it MAD or was it C9 on the side with whichever tier one team? So you, yeah. you matched up the tier one and tier two sides, which was a bit of randomness. And then you drew opponents, which was a bit of randomness. But like, I would have to do the math on how likely it was. It's like pretty significantly non-zero. It wasn't like 1%. I would guess probably around like 10-ish percent. So it's something like you should have accounted for realistically happening. Yeah. One of the main things that kind of skews it, not necessarily skews it, I mean, I'd like to hear what your guys' opinion are, but one of the things that makes it confusing is the fact that T1 is tier three, right? So that's a different conversation. One that I, I, I have felt for a long time is like the fake regional parody. It's like yeah. T1 are good enough that they don't need to prove themselves in play-ins like the rest of the tier three teams, but they're also not good enough to not be tier three. And it's like, mm, I think the world finalists and the LCK finalists are probably better than us and they don't need to prove it but you also agree they don't need to prove it sometimes but they need yeah. to prove it other times and so like, where do you think they should be i think that they should be in tier two mm. if you're gonna like make it relatively evenly <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean that makes sense to me that makes sense to me and just throw it c9 in tier three and be be done with it off with our heads you know so we don't need debate matter matter c9 in tier two Mon tier three. Montreal, thank you so much for calling in anything you want to shut up before we go to the next caller yeah i'd just like to Shout out my my wife and newborn daughter, month old. Paul, hey, congratulations, Jeez, man. Thanks, and uh, also first robotics. I can't speak to teams in anyone's region, but if you're a high school student interested in STEM, uh, definitely reach out and look into programs like that. It's really fun to mentor those teams, and there's a lot to learn. That's awesome. Thank you so much for the very wholesome shout outs. I'll catch you next time. All right. Yeah. I always feel bad whenever we like. Have a we, just, we just ragged on that guy. We, we, like, I'm actually a father <laughs> recently, by the way. Yeah, yeah we have a, we're, we're very contentious. We're very scrappy on this show, and then they're like our callers are usually sweethearts. Dude, right? that's that is how that is how they always get their rep. Because Mark, I think, tends to go off on people more than I do, but uh, I think that is how they get their revenge. Is because Mark will be like blah 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 schooled you, and then at the end they're like, I'd like to just give a shout out to every person going through anything in the world ever. Like, yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to my cat who's yeah, currently yeah. in the hospital right or now. Or they, they'll often be like, and by the way, just a huge fan of you guys. Like, I've listened to your content for so long. And Mark just looks like the got, biggest jerk in the world. Yeah, I've actually got every one of your interviews on, or every one of your content on VHS, Mark. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I saw uh, on VHS where you're illegally recording it off the TV. <laughs> Listen, in the UK, they haven't caught up. Okay, that's what Jake's got over here. He's got MPHS. Okay. Uh, I think you can go either Gabe or anyone else. Well, for, really quickly, thank you to a bunch of people who I haven't, I've missed. 
Uh, Perchy 99, 30 months, Messerix. Puprup gifted five subs. I don't know if you're still around Puprup, but thank you. Bronze Star, Flame Top, uh, Lol's Beer Nut for the thousand bits. D9 Bartlett, Big Angry Hobo, uh, Shared Mellow Jello, Disco Shell, Bigger Frog, Papayor, Gotcha J, Chartius, NV187, Zerthon, and Dfitch. Thank you all for the subs. Random Grab, Gabe. Hello, Gabe. Welcome to the show. Big G. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh, thank you. Welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Riverside, California. Riverside, California. Were, were you not there when Dracos and I were explaining how we want to cast yes. together? Yeah, yeah. That's but just, I didn't know it's if just that's like I'm was. just getting yeah, yeah. into being a hype man in yes. general. Yes. Like, you'll host and I'll just start yelling shit. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Riverside, California, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I want to talk about how the West has a good chance to beat the Eastern teams, especially Cloud9 and G2. Well, the West has a good chance to beat the Eastern teams, especially Cloud9 and G2. So, not especially. These LEC scrubs, especially, don't let Yamato Cannon hear that. You say that anyway. What do you? Uh, why do you think that? So I think the draw was, of course, the worst draw we could have had possibly. It is what it is. Um, but do you I mean think... we? You mean North America or just fans? Well, he said G two, oh, no, not GG. Oh, I thought you said GG. Sorry. No. Could you? Talk oh no, I said G two. Yeah. Sorry. No, continue. So, yeah, the draw was the draw was probably the worst thing that happened to us, which is you know it is what it is. But I think uh, G2 with their drafts, like Pantheon top and Darius top in, you know, Nautilus mid, I think with the unique drafts, they could maybe beat uh, Gen G. And when it comes to Cloud9, I think stylistically, I think they can head on, like take on these Easter teams uh, when it comes to laning. I really do believe it. I mean, I'm a big believer, but I really think that these two teams especially can make, can they could take a series from anybody, I feel like. But it's just about being competitive and, you know, you just have to be a believer, in my opinion. So I will be right there with you on the C9 stuff. I thought it was interesting that so many people were immediately like, well, we know exactly what the next round is going to look like, et cetera, et cetera, because Golden Guardians was able to take a game off Billy Billy Gaming. I know people are going to be like, oh, but that was because they were throwing. But, like, I, I don't know, whatever. They could throw again. It shows that they're not consistent. They're not as dominant to be able to just 2-0 fucking Golden Guardians. Um, and then uh, C9 is the te- the best performing North American team that has ever existed when it comes to international events. They always upset, and or they don't always. They they are the team that upsets from North America, and like this seems like the prime type of example where that could happen. And I'm not saying that even they're favored, but I think it is much 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 closer than people are expecting. Yeah, I think uh, as much as we've been hooting and hollering about the format here it's like non-negligible chance that something doesn't go to chalk it feels like it's pretty likely or pretty common that like something gets upset whether that's like fpx dying to c9 randomly in 2021 you know like these things can happen uh lpl always has it feels like a c do something kind of troll so it's, it's very possible for c9 to win i feel like i agree that's uh you know blg should be favored but when you're predicting a general upset across four series, you're like saying, okay, that one's a 10% chance and this one's a 6% chance and GG's a 1% chance. You know, like you add all them up and you suddenly are at like 25% chance that yeah. something doesn't go right. You can't, yeah. it's hard to predict exactly which one, whether that be G2 or uh, C9, you know, like I feel like there's a, a reason that people are very optimistic about G, uh, G2, like 
Caps is the guy who is the most important player during that period of time when G2 was kind of like the magical uh, EU hope team, you know, um, he's the greatest Western player of all time. There's all these reasons to have more confidence in G2 pulling off an upset. Generally, I do think they have the tougher opponent. I think cloud nine, if, if that is truly BLG's level, which I don't actually think it is, I think they played down to their level of competition. I think they were taking it pretty easy, whatever you want to call it. Um, but if that is BLG's level that they're going to be playing at, at this tournament, I think it's very possible for C9 to beat that because C9 mostly shit on NA. They, they crapped on GG in, in that series. I mean, game one, GG got a lead in through. Game two, GG got a lead in one. And I was like, whoa, we might have a series on here for our finals. And the next two games, C9 was like, those were aberrations. Bam. And they beat the hell out of Golden Guardians and it showed that they were significantly better. So like, if BLG's like getting a little loosey-goosey with golden guardians that does bow well for clg or c9 excuse me jake you want to hop in here um so i have a problem with people just immediately counting mad lions out of the race i think and when we talk about the western teams i think that it's weird like they won they won they obviously won lec they're coming in as our first seed i feel like there's a weird thing where people always i think g2 have like very high ceiling and we, we associate them with a certain like level internationally which i think is why no matter the fact that they finish fourth in this split, we still assume that they will pick up the pace or whatever. But um, I don't think that I think the Mad Lions will reach fine form by this tournament, and I think people are going to be very surprised by the way that they play. Like, who who is more likely to get through uh, in the winners part, Mad Lions or G two? In your opinion? So remind me, G two plays Gen G, right? Yep, man. And yes. then Mad plays T one. Yes. Um, I need to think about that stylistically. Um, we have. I don't think either of them are going to make it through those series. Like, <laughs> yeah, which, but you were just <laughs> hyping up Mad Lions. No, but like, so I think when it comes to the lower bracket, like I wouldn't be surprised. If right, like, right, right. But yeah. we're not talking about we're that. Yeah, about sure, sure. Yes. Right. Happen in the next four days. No, I think both of these series. I think the Gen G G two series is three one Gen G, and I think the Mad Lions T one series is like weirdly just because of the way that I think that series will play out. I think that's going to be a so. Three-0. So you disagree with the caller then that that this is a thing and and. I assume you're worried about C9. No, I, th- I think C9, uh, GG, I think both of these series are 3-0s. Okay, so, for, for the Asian, so for we're going to see teams. four 3-0s. No, I think Mad Lions, I think G2, Gen G will be 3-1. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. And I think the other three series will be 3-0s. Okay. Maybe Mad, Lions, maybe Mad Lions T1 is a 3-1. But gotcha. I think oh, for okay. sure the, the NA teams, will, I think are both going to get 3 0 Okay. Hater. Ah, here he is, the goddamn. Thanks for joining us, dude. Catch you later. I love you guys. You know, like I'm a big fan of America. Yeah, uh, you're really showing it when it comes time to predict the games. (laughs) I don't know why people count out these NA teams, but they're definitely both getting 3-0'd immediately. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and and then they'll probably both find a way to lose their direct head-to-head matchup and both just go home (laughs) and seed that entire side of the losers bracket. What I (laughs) yeah, dude, I think C9. I feel like C9 is going to do something really interesting. They're good. Yes. Yes, they could. Like, I I don't know. I And I feel like it's going to be this whole thing where it doesn't go the way we thought it was going to go. And then Riot's going to be like, oh, you guys thought we had a bad format and bad seating and everything. And then look, it just worked out fine. And they'll be like, oh, thank God that was close. <laughs> Secretly sweating. But like, see, this is why we don't jump to conclusions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I have a little bit of confidence in C9. I've heard... No, I shouldn't say behind the scenes stuff because Mark's people, heard some stuff. Well, people always assume that like people always like scrims are going all right, and they're like that must mean it's a fifty yeah. percent win rate. And it's like, well, I I think of the quote of what Core JJ said when Pioshek joined Team Liquid. I think I think it was Core who who had said this in an interview, but like. 
Pioshik joined Team Liquid. They bootcamped in Korea. And they were still losing mostly to Korean teams. But Core JJ was like, hey, guys, we're doing pretty good. It's like a 33% win rate. And Pioshik's like, this is good for you guys? Like, this feels terrible. And they're like, you should see the other years. <laughs> and so, like, there's a bit of that going on when I say that, like, I've heard some decent stuff about scrims. But, like, um, yeah. I, I want to touch on something that I think will play into the rest of the tournament. So this is a behind-the-scenes thing as well, being, like, on the side of doing interviews. Do you know that in the so you'll know this from being in the media room so where they make us sit outside as you go into the interview room is there's basically just like like it would be for like a hockey sub bench is just like seven steel chairs where the players sit so you get like so when g2 and gen g play each other like you'll they'll all be we had it already it was when r7 played blg it was bin and bong both sitting next to each other and it was the most funny thing i wish i took a photo of it because they were just like bong had just been absolutely clapped like defeated in the tournament and they're just sitting next to each other they make them sit next to each other so i wonder if that's going to have a, a psychological effect throughout the tournament making these people interact with each other i wonder if yeah, that happens in every tournament i know this is your first international one but that's always the that's kind of the weird thing behind the scenes where they all end up next to each other yeah. the, the funniest part is when i will be doing interviews out in front of the lcs yeah and i'll be interviewing someone who just like stomped uh the team and he'll <laughs> and i'll be interviewing him and asking him like oh yeah what was it like he's like oh yeah those guys you know they were not good they're whatever and then all the whole team comes out and walks behind the interview as yeah. it's happening the best interviews you get are also when like there's some internal controversy and you get the interview with like the losing player coming out and he's like yeah i don't know what my jungler was doing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um but anyway back to the question at hand i mark we you talked you talked on c9 a little bit Anything you, th you want to say about G2 and Gen G? No, I feel like the G2 stuff is like, this sounds insulting maybe to say, but I feel like it's less like grounded in like reality and more about like history. Whereas like I can point out the things that Yagao did very poorly this play-ins that makes me think Eminez will do better or roughly the same as what Gori was able to do in that series. I can say that Fudge historically has done much better than Licorice and like Licorice did okay into Bin, didn't stomp him in lane, but survived it just fine, wasn't getting solo killed. Berserker is and Sven should be better than like I, I can list the reasons whereas like for Gen G versus G2 uh, yeah Broken Blade was smurfing this tournament um, and Doran is usually not the main carry out of them he had a very good finals versus um, Zeus but Zeus is a bit of a choker apparently he seems to always perform slightly worse <laughs> in these really big games um, you know I think Payas is great but he's a rookie and you can talk about um, Mickey and Hans both being able to play traditional matchups very well, but having their unique things like the Draven and like if Mickey wants to bust some crazy stuff out, um, there's another angle there that you can maybe get a surprise on Pays and Delight. You know, like um, Chovy's crazy, but sometimes he, people call him a choker internationally too, even though I just think he plays hard matchups. <laughs> and like, but uh, he, he doesn't roam a ton. You know, he's like more lane focused and like caps this tournament re recently has been like turbo laner, you know, and so like, there's all these things you can kind of tell yourself, but I feel like it's more about like reclaiming the G2 magic um, because the it's almost like a, you know that saying, better to keep your mouth closed and be thought of fool than open your mouth and prove everyone correct. Yeah. That's kind of what BLG did in plays. They kind of opened their mouths and made everyone be like, wait a minute, are you frauds? Whereas G Gen G is just coming in as LCK champions. You assume they're fucking amazing and they are, but like you, you haven't seen anything to throw that out, out of question yet. Whereas I feel like BLG gave you reasons to question them a little bit, yeah. even if I don't actually believe in them. So like, that's what the number one thing for me when like, I think, so like I've obviously said now and I have to go on. So, sorry. I'll do it you make sure the mic's up near your mouth too. Yeah, you have to cool. follow it along. Yeah, cool, cool. So like, 
I'm immediately like I think I'm gonna be right and like obviously I'll hold my hands up completely as a complete fraud you heard it here first if they don't end up 3-0 and it ends up being a C9 series that they come away with either a five game series and they end up winning it but like I feel like a lot of people the only reason why we're even like pulling into question that that's gonna be a series that C9 like has a really chance in is because we've got, had like a fraud litmus test in the play-ins I feel like BLG is. No, like, it's also because C9 has been amazing historically. Yeah, yeah, but like, do you Inter- not think internationally not- for North America, for from oh, a North 100%. American perspective? Yeah, but Mark is. But that that's the same thing as the G2 thing, which I'm saying yeah. is like seated in history. It's like yes, they they have at points been the ones to be the like superstars for NA, but like C9. When was the last time they did that? And you can't say 2021 getting out of groups just because fucking FPX exploded. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. It was nice that they, they won the tiebreaker game against Rogue, I think it was. But, like, they went undefeated when they qualified for MSI 2020. <laughs> All right, Mark. I just defeated Mark Zimmerman. All right. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, caller. Anything you want to shout out? Yeah, I'd just like to shout out uh, you guys, of course. Thank you for doing this, you know, for, you know, we love watching this, especially, you know, about to go to school. So it's nice to have this. And then uh, shout out to your Alienware and OnePlus. Thanks to them, you know, everything's possible. Grateful for everything they do for the show. And, of course, uh, shout out to my beautiful girlfriend, Kaylee. I love you. Yeah. Thanks so much for the call. We'll catch you next time. See you guys. Take care. All right. We're going to take a quick break right now to talk about OnePlus. So I have right here... In front of me, I went too far away from the camera. Uh, the OnePlus 11, which is available now. You can go get this, and you should. It is amazing. So I have some uh, some stats that I'm going to pull up here on my OnePlus uh, that I sent to myself ahead of time, which I cannot find now uh, because it's not connected to the Wi-Fi. Uh, let me go through and Dude, connect data. to the Wi-Fi. Oh, my God. Now you have to sign in. Why didn't you just use data? Um, <laughs> all right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, we're we're getting the connection right now. It's connected up. Uh, so either way, this is the OnePlus 11, which comes with up to 16 gigabytes of RAM, which means you can have it to 40 apps open without worrying about your apps dying. You can charge your phone to 100% in less than half an hour with 80-watt SuperVoc. SuperVoc? Uh, it's got next-gen cryo-velocity VC cooling system, which keeps your phone cool even while gaming, a third-generation Hasselblad camera, Castle, Hasselblad, and then a Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. Uh, this is awesome. Thank you so much to OnePlus for sending this. Uh, for me, we're going to be doing some live streams using this later on. Um, I think probably next week is when we're doing it, but we're going to be doing some live streams from the event, uh, which will be really fun. Worked with OnePlus on making that stuff set up. So we'll actually be using this for content creation. Uh, so thank you so much to OnePlus for sponsoring my MSI coverage and sending me this phone. We're going to be giving away one of these to you. Uh, one of you, not all of you. One of you will get one of these. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I'm still working with Numi a little bit on how we want to handle that giveaway, but we'll have details on that soon, as well as the giveaway. Uh, OnePlus gave us a bunch of tickets to give away for the final two days of MSI. So if you don't have a ticket and you want to go to MSI, stay tuned for uh, the giveaway we're going to be doing there. So, yep, uh, Numi is linking the OnePlus phone, the 11, in the chat right now. And if you're watching the VOD, you can go check out the link in the description as well. But thank you to OnePlus 
for sponsoring the show. All right. We're going to get into the next caller. Who do you want? Pick it. That you pick. Hello, Makra. Welcome to the show. Where are you calling from, Makra? I'm giving you time to unmute. There we go. Thanks. Uh, calling from Sacramento, California. Sacramento, California. What do you want to talk about on the show? Holy shit. Oh, wait, no. What? Uh, so <laughs> Mark, Mark didn't do time zones right for a second. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Continue. Oh. <laughs> um, so I want to call it. My take was essentially that Western analysts are ruining international viewership for fans. Um, I think Travis, you've done a pretty good job of maybe discounting this take a little bit what? in this show, but um, I think my, my general thought is it feels like on the dive or other shows that are geared more towards like a North American audience or a Western audience, analysts are more interested in being right as opposed to, you know, maybe giving fans a, you know, hope or something to look forward to at these events, um, which I think can kind of make it seem like you, you listen to the dive and then you've kind of lost interest in, in this week's matches. Um, which I think is, you know, again, what is the role of a LCS caster slash analyst? Is it to be right or is it to provide an entertain, entertainment product to fans? All right, before, I, before Mark pops up. Well, I was just going to say. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. You, you do your thing. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was just going to say that, like, there might be a hint what our role is in our title. You'll notice it says analyst and not hype man. I think the pushback I'd have there is that you're not a team analyst. You're a, you know, an LCS analyst. And I think, again, it's a little bit, I think, you know, in, in terms of titles, but like ultimately I think you serve an entertainment purpose and, you know, especially for the region that you're, you know, working in. Okay. So before Mark, Mark starts dismantling you, I, I, he's raging right now. He's filming at the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hold it back, Jake. Uh, so what, Okay, okay, give me an idea of what you'd ra want them to do instead. Like, and when, what you, wait, when you say hype up, I, I think what Travis means is like give the specifics of like give a sample sentence of like what an hour long podcast of hyping up North America versus the LPL would sound like in your mind. Just like some sample. Well, I don't, I don't. <laughs> That I would not stop trying to get him to do your I, job. For I, I, I just, specifically I'm just asking about sentence, but <laughs> okay, sorry. High, I, high level, first off, start start at high level. High level, what would you like to see them do as an example? Yeah, so um, a little bit hard to, to come up with exact specifics, but I think uh, you know an example would be like the Golden Guardians Golden Guardians versus BLG game. Um, you know, maybe talking a little bit more about you know, how Golden Guardians was able to come back in, I think that it was game two, um, you know, talking a little bit more about their strengths as a team. You know, I think on the the underlying thing, it can be, you know, we expect LPL to win this match, you know, 3-1 or whatever it is. But, you know, a lot of the region or a lot of the conversation leading up to it could focus more on the strengths of Golden Guardians or the strengths of C9 or G2. Um, I think Europe does a pretty good job of this. Like if you look at like the, you know, Europe's chances in the last few international events, they haven't had the best showing. Um, but if you look at like, like a lot of like the European casters, I think this is mostly specific to G2 and, and they haven't done a great job of it with MAD, but they'll talk about, um, you know, G2 kind of, you know, coming up with surprise picks or, you know, being able to take games off of anybody um, and, you know, kind of giving that that thread of hope. Um, you know, I think if, if you look at just the, I think it was the last call, uh, I'm currently working, so I'm not paying, a, a, you know, 100% attention, but I think, Travis, you had some good points about C9 being the strongest NA team. And, you know, if, if Licorice looked really good against Ben, then, you know, what's Fudge going to look like? And I think there's threads that you can focus on more of, you know, here's hope or here's something to look for or, you know, here's the strengths of these teams and less so of a, you know, Lola and a, 
um, you know, they're going to get three owed kind of thing. Since again, like, you know, if I'm listening to hotline league or the dive as a Western fan, you know, I want a reason to tune into the matches and, you know, maybe your job as an analyst and you want to be correct. But I think at the, at the end of the day, if you're on this type of content, you should be looking for, you know, how do I get fans engaged with MSI or with, you know, their region or the representatives. And, you know, I think, I think there's better ways to do that. Did you watch the, um, LOL esports? They were like two minutes long, but like the LOL esports hype pieces that they came out with like deep fried Azale as the thumbnail, like, uh, it was no, like, uh, they, there was a series of them where I, I, basically every gonna, every region would they had they had their thing. casters yeah. or like personalities in the region. Quick shot was like the LEC has been built for the future and stuff like that. They all had like a, a hype thing for for each region. Sounds like you didn't get gotcha. to catch those. Um, I will say there is some of that stuff that exists which like kind of ignores reality and you just say things that sound good. Um, and like, I know what you're saying about like, you can focus more on things Golden Guardians do well. The problem is with the way League of Legends plays is it's a zero sum game, which means for every advantage that someone is getting, the other person is losing almost always. It's like, it's not like basketball where you have like two sh hot shooters, like both hitting threes and like, Ooh, who's going to win the shootout? You know, like there's not really shootouts. Like th there's very situationally times where like both 80 carries are fed and like they're melting each other's front lines, like who can play better. But in reality, especially in not very close series, which these are expected to be when you like, I can talk about how six, they can play Lucianami and actually be like pretty good at it for like any standards. And like, I actually really like their Lucianami and I hope they play it a lot, but like they're going to play it in, against, you know, potentially <laughs> ruler. <laughs> you know, And I'm like, they're not going to get leads. And so then if I tell you they can play Lucianami and get leads and it doesn't happen, then I lied to you because that's, that's how League of Legends plays. And like at the end of the day, the analysis wanting to be correct means that we, we're not lying. And we, you, you can get lied to, but then what we've seen historically is if you lie about what's going to happen, one, people don't like you and don't trust you in the future. And two, they get mad when that thing doesn't happen that you assume the player fucked up. You know, like, oh, this, this sticks a should have won because he's a great Lucianami and then they picked it and they, they lost the lane to fucking ruler. You know, it's like, well, I shouldn't have probably told you that like stick say was going to win the lane, you know, like and maybe he does. And then it's super fucking sick when it happens. But like, I always would rather paint the realistic picture. So if the upset does happen, you're even more excited and you get to like rub it in ever, all of our faces that we're dum-dums. I'm not a massive fan of just the idea that like it, Western analysts as if like the talent team exists in some sort of monolithic expression, because <laughs> I feel like there's a dof there's a lot of variance in that because what you're talking about there is a distinct difference between like committal to a kayfabe where because if like if I'm a Western analyst and I want to like truly sit here and be like NA is going to win worlds G2 is gonna I'm, I'm committing to a bit at that point do you know what I mean like yeah. to be realistic to be realistic it's a persona and we've seen that done before like remember like way back in the day like Monte Cristo like he wasn't he wasn't doing it for like that was a realistic bit, but do you know what I mean? Like the choo-choo train. Yeah, yeah, you, you like, become like the avatar yeah, of yeah. the... Yeah, you become yes. an avatar. It's a kayfabe. It's like a WWE thing, like for sure. And if like, that's a whole different thing. That's an entertainment value, but then you need to balance that with an element of like, you've got that guy on the desk and you've got the other guy that brings him down. Like, do you know what I mean? In terms of like realism versus, you know, intense delusional optimism. I think that's where a good balance on the broadcast comes from. Is his is his point more so that like independent outlets like this show or like the dive the, the dive for you or whatever? I mean, the dive isn't independent. I think his person independent, but you know, external to the broadcast. I think if I had to guess, what uh, Makra's saying is, you work for the LCS, yeah. you want fans excited about the LCS, you should make a case for why they should be excited as opposed to just saying all the ways that they're going to lose. Um, and I do think there's some fairness to that in saying that you can go harder on the things that these teams do well. The problem is, Diphoria in particular 
is a international show. It goes out on Lowell Esports, which has European casters on it as well. Um, so it's it's not just for LCS fans, but well, I, the, I understand. the Mocker's point was the West, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. Still it includes EU fans too. Yeah, Mocker, you were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, a lot of this comes from you know tuning into the dive and you know mostly just catching the games through vods um so a lot of the way that you kind of interact with the content is you'll catch the you know highlights or vods and then you go to listen to the dive or something um and so listening to the dive prior to like the golden guardian series um you know wasn't giving you a lot of hope about uh those teams um and then you know the i think the most recent one i'm like i'm like a quarter of the way through it but um you know kind of starting out with you know kind of discounting you know the western teams uh, um, you know, again, I think the, the European uh, analysts do a little bit better job of this. Um, but again, it's, a, it's the kind of thing of like, if I'm tuning into an NI, NA podcast, like I listen to the dive, it, it specifically covers LCS most of the year. And if I go to tune into the dive during an international event, I'm given very little reason to want to watch that international event. Um, so and I think it's less of a, you know, not looking for lying, but more looking for reasons to watch MSI. And I feel like I feel like the, the podcast has done a poor job of that and has historically done a poor job of that with, you know, international events in, in general. So here's one thing. This is a little broader macro than what you're talking about, but I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying in the previous call. I think one fair argument is it feels really bad when we have four games of, of four days of games coming up. And after the draw show, everyone was basically like every analyst, every personality was like, oh man, now we're going to have to deal with all these domestic matchups like basically being like the next four days are already decided nothing matters like we we know what's going to happen and like what these matchups are going to be looking like and i i totally get that it's you don't want to be disingenuous and be like who knows what's going to happen like this format could be anything but it also i can understand how much it 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 is very like shitty to basically start off the main bracket stage of the tournament being like, and here's four days of busy work to get us to the next shitty round that we've decided is going to be all regional matchups, you know? Yeah, I think I like we're all pretty reactionary. We all say something like, "This is 100% doom and gloom," and then like something else happens and it's fine, you know? Like that definitely happened in the life cycle of Wooly Souls before. On the dive in particular, I think one a lot of uh, analysts, like at least I can speak for myself, but I assume it's true for people like Vettis, Kobe, Azale, Dracos, like cadrol like we all like <laughs> i think all of us have some like epistemological drive to like represent reality in a way that we find truthful like we are not hype men we don't like this is our real opinions these are our real thoughts we're not here like and you can make the case again to the caller that like hey you're serving a product and that's a complete reframing of what this show would be because the way the dive is is done is it's, it's a podcast where the LCS talent speak at length about their honest thoughts of situations for the most part. And like, for the most part, for the most part, there's some things that we can't do to, due to company ties. Can't be a hundred percent honest on, but like on things like analysis, you can basically be a hundred percent honest on. Um, and there are people who, who appreciate that and want that. And there's like LCK fans who speak English, who listen to the podcast and stuff like that, or, or team people are fans of multiple regions. It's not like an LCS fan only watches LCS. I know there are some who watch other regions. Um, and like you could spend time gassing up what Golden Guardians does well, but then you still need to spend time contrasting that against what the um, LCK rep is going to do, you know, or uh, LPL in this case with JDG. So like, and even then, I don't think we even really talked much about JDG in that series and like all uh, in that show, everything they do well. But like, um, yeah, I, I think there, there's a point to be made that like we can do a better job 
being positive on our representatives and not just be like, oh no, 3 0 incoming. We're doomed. We lost the draw show. Uh, yeah, I think I would be really interested to know because I saw Quickshot had tweeted out a really wonderful screenshot of a, a post that was somebody made on Reddit about how these wildcard matches and plans actually mean a lot to wildcard regions. And I think it would be very interesting to know what, like, the Brazilian analysts, how they approach this, right? Like, are they, I, it would be interesting to know if they're like, yeah, we're going to get stomped, but I can't wait to see my favorite players face off against these, like, gods of the rift. Or, like, sh is there a world where people could be like, yeah, Golden Guardians, their chances are slim to none, but how cool is it that we get to see Golden Guardians play against JDG after in a, in a world where we never even thought that these guys could potentially even make playoffs in North America. Yep. And so maybe there's an argument to be had there where like you, you should be celebrating the opportunity, even if the reality is not there. Do you think this is perhaps emblematic in any way that people are less so fans of teams nowadays, more so fans of the region? Because for me, when I look at the loud fans, for example, you talk about the Brazilian fans, it feels like, yes, they're very, they're in a, in a nationalistic pride kind of way, but they're also massive loud fans. They've got the jerseys. They've either got a loud jersey on or they've got the, the Brazilian football jersey on. And for them, they've flown all the way from Brazil, probably spent a load of money. They probably, like, in, to be realistic, like, they probably didn't think they were going to make it much further. They didn't think they were going to make it out of the playing stage. So for them, it's like, it comes from purely being a fan of your of your team, No. Whereas with NA, it feels almost like it's less so about the teams, more so about the regions. So that kind of dilutes. <laughs> and I think there's a, not you in particular, caller, but there is a, a non-negligible portion of self-loathing within North America yeah. uh, from fans and people who are not happy with the region as a whole and like don't have that whole like, well, we're just going to show up and have a good time. Yeah. Because when they fail... Like maybe I'm not saying you're a part of this, but there's like people on Reddit who are like, "How do we fix NA? Fuck these guys! These paycheck stealing bum ass." Yeah, or or vindication in the like, like back when Team Liquid used to be here. Oh, you spent all this money, you won't won't run North American talent, and then you lose or something like that. So I I agree that there is some aspect of that. There's as something well. within the entire ecosystem. I guess is what I'm saying that like stops that kind of minor region underdog but let's believe in ourselves mentality from like i don't think there's a as big of a market for it even if you are someone who would yeah, appreciate it's that it's hard to run the like mighty ducks narrative when there is so much like money and stuff like this going into it because so you guys aren't actually underdogs realistically like <laughs> somewhat i mean we are from a competitive level but we don't quite have the like yeah. i just don't think there's like it's hard to call you the little guy is my yeah, point if like, i just went on this like performative yeah. more yeah, like yeah. and again not being fully like false false face here but like you know i just don't think that would actually play as well in north america as i mm. as it might for um a brazil or some other minor regions Ma mask swan in the chat who who's done a bunch of ljl stuff has has said as someone who did that did this for three years we sell hopium but realistic hopium yeah i just be very curious what that looks like well and I'm, again i'm saying like i feel like and i could mm. be wrong and it's hard to know where it comes from but like there's a lot more pride from brazilian fans not just in league of legends yeah. but like culturally for their teams so like you can sell realistic hopium easier i think than you can sell to a potentially cynical north american fan 100 percent, because i mean the difference between them uh, yeah, it's just something i should have included as a caveat to my point is like for them it's like it's the delusional like fan like if you look at like the whole thing with um 
did you see the recent thing where it's like just like every post is a brazilian fan with like the tin owns thing like this post yeah. is irrelevant yeah, like that's like, just like, this like, is like the robs day stuff yeah it's just like it's literally like you know real madrid fans barcelona fans like that's how they treat it like it's just pure like football mentality which doesn't really exist in a lot of like na i don't think i don't think na i feel like na and eu have this weird thing so in eu we have this with france like carmine corp like mm -hmm. they have like you'll have they have like really like football ultra mentality it feels almost in a lot of other countries like we think we're too cool to do that like it's obsessive it's stalkery it's creepy and i feel like a lot i'd like to see a lot more na fans like get behind your team in like a not a delusional way but like just be proud to be from america yeah, like, we, have, we have a crew named uh, called name man and the na men need to carry this mentality yeah yeah, we have a we have a crew of people that have been doing that for a while, and um, but they're they're small and they're derided at times for having that passion, you know. So yeah, um, all right. Thank you so much, caller, for reaching out, Makra. Anything you want to say before we say goodbye? Uh, no, I think uh, I think well said, and and uh, yeah, I think in terms of shout outs, just shout out Alienware um, using the. I forget the number, but the 34-inch ultra-wide uh, OLED, and it's fantastic. So. Yeah, I absolutely. I use that at home, thanks for having me. and I absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Maka, for the call. We'll catch you next time. Also, probably worth just shouting out uh, NA Men like. Discord or whatever. If, if you are someone who wants the more positive side of the NA ecosystem and doesn't want, like... Yeah, it's all Care Bears over there. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, yeah, I, I admit I'm, a, I am someone who's cynical and on the like, well, here's the problems with NA. Let me walk you through all of them right now versus being like, you know, just like, well, we're just going to focus on the good stuff. Yeah. Then. I mean, I think there's also a, I, the name and people, I don't, and I don't want to put words in their mouth or anything like that, but I think one thing that they have done a pretty good job of is just being excited for the players. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's so cool yeah. that like licorice is, gonna go and and play this game and i hope the best for him and blah 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 blah. and it's look at, look at his curls his hair is so cool you know like well it's 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 less about like the oh rah rah we're gonna stomp or we're gonna get stomped or whatever yeah. i think it's more just like i'm happy for the players that they get to do this and i really want to see them do well and hopefully things go well you know i think it's like a parent almost i think there's some really cool things coming out of na storyline wise i think the whole like upset sto cinderella story of golden guardians like with i don't think it's been the golden guardian stuff i don't think has been served well by the i don't think it's been hyped as much as we all could have done i think everyone yeah to me it feels like that i feel like everyone's just like it feels like everyone is acknowledging silently how amazing it is and not yes. being overt with it but I think even beyond that, there's some like stories. Like uh, I feel like the Elsis broadcast was a little bit reticent to maybe not reticent's not the right word, but like uh, hesitant maybe to pick up on a lot more of the MNS narrative. Bear in mind, I don't watch like a massive amount of Elsis, but like for him, like he's a player that like played two splits in my ERL actually, where so XL's academy team not there anymore, but they used to be at the time. So he played two splits there. I think the story with him is he was like picked by either AI or like a data, like an analytics program, like detected like the best mid laner they could have gotten. And they brought him in and he had like two, like complete. We've talked a little bit about it with Blabber yeah. having conversations with yeah. him and stuff. We so we, we did cover it in the MNS story a fair amount. Yeah. Not, we haven't, I think it's kind of died off. It'll be interesting to see how they approach it. I guess also what I'm saying is in terms of, he had like two very like world beater splits that kind of just ended in complete disasters. And for him to go from that to like getting kicked from JDXL, to get kicked from JDXL to then have all these like auspicious doubts around you about like your work ethic and like how you're you work in a team environment to then go with that and it'd be like a thing like this guy's never going to work in a tier one or going to do well and then for him to move to c9 and like get that move 
replace someone else obviously as well and then consistently perform all the way up until making it to words i think that's something that like really needs to be celebrated like that's a story of i can't speak to how much about like what's going behind the scenes there but at least if that continues up that's a story about a man conquering his personal demons in some way and i think that should be celebrated a lot more well and mark and i went to mns today yeah at the mall you're, you're a loser good last caller there's a store called MS in the UK. Oh, huh? the Is that what it's called? Marks Mark, and Spencers? Mark Z and Spencers. Oh, okay. You can be Spencers. Okay, great. Mm. Mark, Mark wouldn't even honor that with a microphone in I'm your just direction. Gonna, I'm just going to. Is there? Is here. Him. Is there? Welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? London, England, next to an MS. Oh! Representing, man. Uh, Mark, Marks and Spencers. Uh, London, England. We're glad we had somebody call in from locally. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so my take is that the MSI broadcast has already done a better job of creating uh, team and player storylines, including for Golden Guardians, uh, than the LCS broadcast does domestically. And we were just talking about this. Okay. Hit us. Uh, so go ahead. Why do you think this is the case? So I don't know if it's something that's brought over for me, you, because even though I'm in London, I watch NA, but um, I feel like... We're at an international tournament where we've brought in a load of teams that most of us don't watch all the times. And I've already been introduced to better storylines and feel more connected to the players and, and how they play and the stories that brought them here than I do about half the teams in the NALCS when I'm watching. I feel like I've actually sort of understood where some of these teams are going and, and gotten really attached to them over the course of just the playing stage more than I, more than I usually do. Why do you think that it like where where can you give examples of where you're seeing this versus where it's like yeah like a segment else? or something that like stood out to you yes yeah, so like um, specifically like tying in the PSG narratives to how Golden Guardians obviously have two players that used to play on them like I've never watched any LLL but watching Loud and and tying in how passionate their um, fans are and then talking about the players and things like even though there's games where these teams are super underdogs I'm still understanding of these teams they're not hyper focusing on the teams that are just mm. going to destroy them they're not hyper focusing on blg i super sorry to cut you off there I feel like I cut your momentum there but like i super agree with this i feel like watching the broadcast and like even just being it might be helped by the fact that this is like one of the first this is the first league event i've been to but like i feel like the broadcast has done a really really good job and i think this goes back to like a lot of like I think Gorborg did a tweet where he like uh, was getting a lot of praise for doing one of the best. Uh, I think it was analyst desk on Vietnam, right? And like I feel like there's just a real push in this playing stage for like one of the first times in a while that I've seen where it's just like it feels like all the narrative is very much like beyond the surface level of the game, and we actually have reasons to care about these teams. And I think that's really really important. My my suspicion when it as it relates to Golden Guardians is that in the LCS. And in every regional league, I think the production and broadcast teams make bets on on teams. And I don't, you know, I know this maybe Mark's area. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think it's like where are we going to invest the most of our resources? You're going to probably invest into like trading. No, 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 no. Really Gam gambling. No, <laughs> uh, but it's like you you don't expect Golden Guardians to go this far. And so you don't spend a bunch of time on them until they start doing really well. And they had that big win streak. And I think they spent a lot of time talking about Stixay's resurgence and Licorice. Well, even then, I think he wasn't as, as flashy as he is right now. But still, like there was a lot of that conversation at the time. And then it kind of died off. And then it came back for playoffs. And so I think going into this international event, there's a... Well, you know Golden Guardians is here. They've made it. You can invest into them as a narrative and as a team. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that that opportunity is not always there in the LCS because you have to choose which some some of these 10 teams and spending much time talking about a team that you don't expect to do well is not going to do well. I don't know if you think I'm off base here, Mark. No, I, I think there's an element of truth to that where you have to call your shots and like suddenly you have Core JJ um, in your Worlds music video despite the fact that he didn't make Worlds, for example. Like yes. That's what Travis is talking about in terms of like you have to kind of guess who you're going to invest in for longer term projects and like you want to be telling the stories for teams that are going to be going further in this kind of stuff. I will say as someone who works on both um and i'm sorry to to disagree but i don't think that there's anything like the goldberg one for example yeah. that was great like that was an incredible story that he found and told that sure. but in terms of like m method of delivery mm -hmm. he just told us and like he wanted to do more with it we i i, I was with him when he initially told me this story. i was like sure. that's great we should like try and find kiaia and like get pictures of his childhood if we can and like really tell a yeah, beautiful yeah. story so what's the, what's the next step then well because we didn't have the resources and the time and some of the things that travis yeah. was talking about like yeah we just like goldberg just said it on the yeah. desk and like he did a great job telling the story but i think like in terms of show don't tell type deal yeah show don't tell give it resources give it investment to actually mm -hmm. tell a great story um and I don't think I think w what the caller is feeling in a lot of ways is like there's a lot of news stories because I'm sure caller and you can correct me if I'm wrong but you've probably heard that this is Stixay's first MSI in seven years and you've probably heard that he was all the way down to the coaching position for his academy team before he came back in as a sub and like a and lot of who the, he and him who he yeah. who he yeah. played together seven years ago as a mid laner and he went to four titles or four championships in a row and like did you guys know licorice used to do that like I, I feel like a lot of it um could be that these are storylines because you don't follow these regions and you don't follow these teams and it's the first time you're hearing the kiaya story it fucking hits you yeah. versus like if you followed golden guardians for the last like nine weeks or like for certain players like blabber who's been on the top of the lcs for like we've told his story a lot of times and there's this question of like how much should we rehit it and like when do you rehit it and like these kinds of things so like i do think part of it is just newness i think my main point is and i think where we agree but there's a slight disconnect here is that i don't think that we've optimized that completely i think there's still a lot more work to be to do but i think compared to where it was for a lot of international events where i felt like it was you get talent in from specific regions like EU. The EU costs are very good at telling the EU stories. And then sometimes you'd have crossover. Like, for example, Nymeria would be really good at telling LGL stories if he was an international event right. because he's done that. Yeah. And then NA cost is very good at telling NA. But then obviously maybe if they, if they have a minor specialization in that. But I feel like a lot of the time we're in a position now where cohesively, despite the talent team being made up of mostly well, casters from... NA, EU, yeah. and then like people who do like a LCK and then LPL. I feel like a lot of the minor regions, a lot of the time there's more meticulous effort being made towards telling those stories. And I think that is important, even if they're minor regions, which would indicate that it would be less important. I don't think that's the case. I'm just saying like, uh, you know, semantically or whatever. But I think it's really important to build a more comprehensive picture and it brings more, it brings more people into the fold. I think the fold is super important. Yeah, I think I think there's really cool stories in the Lowly Sports. Like one for me was like Zeka convincing Kingan to join his team, you know? Yeah. And that was something that Ashley King had done an interview on like months prior. And when I was just like prepping, I saw it and I, you know, was like, Oh, let's bring this up. And I think other people brought it up too. I'm not saying I, I was the one who pushed that, but I'm just saying like you discover these really cool things and you bring them up. But if you were a fan of of the LCK, I don't know how many times you might have heard that story the entire time. Yeah. So like to that point about like I think one thing that's cool is when um you can almost pick out like the, the diamonds of all the narratives because like you get fresh eyes on it. So like, yeah. you know, I can go and look at 
the, the let's say CB Lowell and like I don't know all the context around every single thing as someone who's just peeking my head in temporarily but like the the best ideas from the local casters get put in like docs and all this For stuff sure. and, and we get the best of the best to tell yeah. and because it's more bite-sized I think it feels a lot better uh, for for viewers who are hearing it for the first time well I think so uh, sorry go on well I was like one one specific thing I'd pick up on is that like if I compare this to the start of LCS, like the first two weeks of LCS, right? So we're looking at a similar level of newness. I think there's a much better spread here. And I think that could come back to the point of where there's experts for each bit. But at the start of the LCS, we were talking about Doublelift and Bjergsen coming back. We were talking about FlyQuest investiture. But I feel more connected now to people like Loud, people like PSG. I understand their teams, their players and their storylines better than I did about Dignitas, CLG and etc. at the start of the LCS split. Because I just feel like they've done a really good way of getting a really balanced amount of storylines and connection off about all the teams playing rather than just hyper-focusing on the easy big storylines like the GG one. They've actually been able to really explain and connect us to all of the teams. Because what the fuck are you supposed to say about Dignitas? Well, I mean, I think that's part of it, right? It's like Loud shows up at this event and there's... We didn't know they were going to feed, right? Uh, No, I'm just saying, but I think Loud gets to this event and they've done a bunch of cool things and they have a big cool story. Dignitas is just sort of like... Well, Dignitas made a roster again. Let's see if they sell the org sometime <laughs> but this year. I don't, I don't agree with this completely, by okay, the way. Go for it. So yeah. I think that ultimately there is a story to be found everywhere. Like I think although certain orgs and certain narratives will be an easier sell, I think if you look into it enough that there is always an element of a sell to be made with every org. And I don't think that like just because the story might not be like that immediately obvious that it like means you just sell them out the water because I think every team should have a reason for people to care about. And that's not on the viewer or us a lot of the time, but like I think it's on it's on it's it's on the orgs and the No, 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 you, I stole his mic. It's my turn to answer. Um I think the other thing too that we haven't talked about, which could be actually a big factor in this, is format. Um, best of ones in a more fast paced setting, like the start of a regular season where you are doing like meta hits and like what's new and like what's new with, with NA and all these things, you have to pick your battles a little bit more and it quickly gets smeared out like all this Mm. stuff. Whereas like you come to watch a best of three or a best of five, one, we have 15 minute pre-show for this thing. And then we have games between the games or time between the games to break down these things. And like good casters and analysts are all very competent about weaving in these narratives you know, being like, what yeah. a great game for Licorice. He popped off on the Cassante this game. And this is something that's, you know, back in the day when he was on C9 debuting as a rookie, blah, blah, blah. And you're working into your analysis. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And because it's more targeted and you're not pre-game, post-gaming, because yeah. th- those go to different teams. You have four. Th- so, for example, to get really technical, you have a 15-minute turnaround time roughly between games. Let's just say it's equal for both. But in a traditional regular season best of one model, you then have to do post game for what just happened in the game, tell those stories, blah, 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 go to break, come back pre game for two new teams. It's like so many more things that you have to juggle in the air. Um, and it probably leads to a less concentrated hit on the narratives that maybe the caller is feeling a little bit weird. You're just dedicated to these two teams and that's it. So the other thing I will say is like, cause it, it sounds, and I saw Nightmare agreeing with you mm. in the chat. Like, well, it's just cause he's from the UK. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's solidarity, uh, 1776 baby. All right. So the, <laughs> the <laughs> oddly political, uh, <laughs> the, the <laughs> that's, that's kind of what we do. Just yeah. random odd political. <laughs> we always throw in random political. I mean, I, how political is is the, the war for independence? Are you making an argument I mean, for the for the? Pu- the it pu- was very political at the time, but I just don't know if like I'm making a political argument right now. You're making an argument um, for the languid beauty of independence. So, so, <laughs> so, 
think it's more historical at this point. Um, so, yes, there is always a story to be told. Yeah. The, and that is a very like, but for, from my perspective, and maybe this is just the cynical person who's been doing this for so long, that is sort of the philosophy I think I would have had a long time ago. Mm. The challenge is when you end up with orgs and players and situations at the bottom of the, the, the totem pole who are like losing a ton, the organization has been, is, is likely on the way out. Um, and they, like, you also know that there's going to be a ton of roster turnover. Yeah. It becomes really hard to get excited to tell those stories. And you oftentimes feel very burned. So, mm. case in point, and, and this is not even like the best case because they were a team that was like kind of worth it, but, and a player that was kind of worth it, but like, there was a great story multiple times told about Takui mm. for FlyQuest last yeah, yeah. year, and people became really big fans of his. And for then sure. I think that was a really good yes. Example. And then he immediately left the yeah. LCS, and you end up feeling as a storyteller very jaded and frustrated mm. because you go out there and like I've always felt like part of my job, even from the very first time I did my show, was to help try to build fandom about the players and get people excited yeah. about them, and. It's so disheartening when you spend a lot of time on something like this and then it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't materialize. And I no, think with I, Dignitas I with Dignitas it is really tough because when they start losing a ton, it the story of, oh, we're trying really hard but we're still losing and it's tough, like there is an interesting story there and like in a docuseries or something like that. You can compare and contrast what's happening in different orgs where, like, oh, maybe everything's going great for Golden Guardians and they're mm. winning and it's amazing. And then you have, like, J Jensen, who's this storied veteran, like, really yeah. struggling. But whenever it becomes, like, the broadcast that just has to sort of talk about the stuff or put together a small package or whatever, it becomes really hard to Yeah, I don't think orgs help themselves in this regard. I mean, this is one of the things we spoke about when we first uh, met each other. We were talking about, like, sort of uh, longevity of a lot of... It feels like, I don't know, there's, like, a weird oh, we had one bad split, let's just get everyone out the front door. And it feels like if you felt like you were going to commit this amount of money initially, surely you saw this going on for, like, you, you must have accounted for risk management in the first split, right? Like, surely, guys, like, we didn't spend, <laughs> surely we didn't spend this much money and we thought, like, you know, that's just, like, the first, like, if you're, like, a capitalist in any way, like, at least be good at, like, to, that, that's, like, the number one thing about being a capitalist is you account for, like, the bad stuff, right? Like anything could happen. Like a, a meteorite could hit the gaming house, and like you know, like you know, you can't play the first three weeks, and that's why you lose. Surely we're not getting rid of like all these guys that we spent all this money on in the first split. So I hard agree with you on that part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've got obviously a little bit off off topic, but I I appreciate the call in. What it, I what I got from that was you know you're jaded. This industry's chewed you up. It's spit you out. You're not the same young fresh beat journalist on the on the walk anymore. Yeah, I think the. <laughs> The <laughs> if anybody has ever seen the opening scene of the newsroom, <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like that oftentimes where I am frustrated and yet I still have this like core within me of optimism and hope because yeah. I still I know that the LCS can be so much better than what it is right now. It, it has that possibility. And yet we're still beaten down by the same like crummy decisions that are made and so i think it's it's actually the worst of both worlds where like i i feel the pain of of knowing where we are mm. right now but also have to witness that like we can't get out of this rut you know it is it is yeah it is rough. for sure anyway uh is there uh thank you so much for calling in 
what do you want to shout out here at the end? Uh, shout out to Catching Up with Doublelift. I hope you do something similar next season. That was really, really cool. Thank um, you. I'll see you guys at MSI next week. Oh, great. In there a couple of days. Um, and uh, Cat for Kobe. Oh, God. Goodbye. All right. Uh, you know, one quick thing. I know, Mark, you probably have people that are trying to come in, but yes. we didn't ever touch at all on the Academy stuff. We're in the middle of an international competition, and that's actually like three-week-old news based off Travis's reporting. So we'll uh, talk about that some other time when there's not more important things. I've got things. something to say about it. Very quickly. <laughs> Very quickly. Mark wants to watch your name with a bunch of people. I made plans for other people. I've already gone 40 minutes over when we initially blocked this out in my day, which is my only dark day off, after I already also did story meetings and worked six straight broadcast days in a different country, and I'm trapped in a hotel room. And like, God forbid, I tried to do one thing for myself. Might be... You're not trapped. Jesus. Uh, do you want to talk about it? I mean, no. I guess, you kind of already did. You say your bit. You kind of already did. You say your bit. Say your bit. Uh, I think one of the main reasons between the ERL structure working so well in Academy is uh, socioeconomic uh, concerns between and disparities between the different countries and how it's set up. And I'm not going to elaborate on that. You're just going to have to kind of take that and, and think about it. Thank well, you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do a round of shout outs. Mark, what do you want to plug? Your name. Um, I want to plug the licorice interview that I just dropped. If you enjoyed my yike interview that got taken by, down by the uh, syphilitic scabs of Bell on the Belland of Mankind, all the Reddit mods, uh, you can go check out my new GG licorice interview at Ruddy Corp. That's R-U-D-D-Y-C-O-R-P on Twitter. And uh, big up Ruddy, Ruddy up. Um, all of that. I don't have a gang sign to throw up because we're not a gang. We're a professional uh, limited company. But uh, shout out to my Regan as well. R. R. This probably you guys are probably doing something offensive. Yeah, we probably can't walk Especially around in some America. Yeah, I we should. can't walk. <laughs> there's like some American <laughs> neighborhood we can't walk around. It's a real problem now. I have. Mark did this on the broadcast as well. Uh, you were, they were trying to. So, okay, whatever. People have seen the tweet. Um, all right. Shout out to my mom as well. Okay, great. Um, She's great. Mark, when are we getting? I'm, I'm pressing this. No, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. When are we getting blame game back? Whenever I can. Uh, shout out to everybody who is watching. Really appreciate it. Uh, I know this is a different time. Uh, Mark will be back in North America the next time we do this. And so I don't know what that means. It will be in for timing, but just stay tuned. Um, thank you to Jake for coming on. Uh, very last me. minute, but I think it was really fun having you on. And um, for everyone else, uh, shout out to OnePlus and Alienware, and we'll catch you soon.